I think that this poll brings a murky problem in a specific relief. Whose problem are we talking about, Lewis? Yours? You worried about losing your job? Because this poll isn't talking about my presidency. This poll is talking about my life. 264 million 264 people... 264 million people don't give a damn about your life. They give a damn about their own. Mr. President, you raised a daughter. Almost entirely on your own. And she's terrific. So what does it say to you that in the past seven weeks, 59% of this country has begun to question your family values? The president doesn't answer to you, Lewis. Oh, yes, he does, A.J. I'm a citizen. This is my president. And in this country, it is not only permissible to question our leaders, it's our responsibility. But you already know that, don't you, Mr. President? Because you have a deeper love of this country than any man I've ever known. And I want to know what it says to you that in the past seven weeks, 59% of Americans have begun to question your patriotism. Look, if people want to listen to... They don't they have not. a choice. Bob Rumson is the only one doing the talking. People want leadership, Mr. President, and in the absence of genuine leadership, they'll listen to anyone who steps up to the microphone. They want leadership. They're so thirsty for it, they'll crawl through the desert toward a mirage, and when they discover there's no water, they'll drink the sand. Lewis, we have had presidents who were beloved, who couldn't find a coherent sentence with two hands and a flashlight. People don't drink the sand because they're thirsty. They drink the sand because they don't know the difference. and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 and this the month of November in the year of our Lord 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 The Talker. Thank you for coming along. It is 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 
970. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We are here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for coming along. Uh, Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the absurd, whatever it is you might have today. It's 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. That song was just for you, Tim Riley. I almost forgot he did that. Elected by Alice Cooper. How about that? That's a, have you ever seen the video that goes along with that? I must have at some point. Uh, so there at the top of the show, we had The American President, written by one Mr. A. Sorkin. And then we followed that up with a song called Elected by Alice Cooper, which is from the Billion Dollar Babies record, 1974, well, I think. There, yeah. Mid-70s. And it's always weird when you go back and you watch music videos from before there was MTV. Because, first of all, you kind of wonder what they were for. I mean, I don't mean to sound daft about it. Like, everything had to start with my generation. Like, there was no history before I was born. But really, what were bands making videos for when MTV wasn't around? Where were those even played? Is it like a midnight special kind of a thing? Or? Like Don Kirshner's rock concert? <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. Beyond no. at 1 o'clock in the morning? Sort of. You've heard of it. I've heard of it, Tim. Just like I've heard of ice wagons. Um, the Telegraph. So, exactly. Anyway, I'll bring it in someday if you want to see it. Alice Cooper, the original Alice Cooper group, they made a great video for the song Elected, which, of course, is a song about Alice Cooper running for president, which is just wonderful. There is the most badass shot of Alice Cooper. I don't mean to get all off track here at the beginning. We'll, we'll pull back in a second. We'll talk about what's coming up today. Very special guest on today's program. We'll have a very special guest joining us at uh, 1 o'clock hour today uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Just one thing, though, about that video. You watch the video for Elected by the original Alice Cooper group. A couple things. A, there's a great sequence of Alice Cooper and his bandmates sitting around what is purported to be their campaign headquarters as he's running for president. And there are just, there's money everywhere. Billion-dollar bills, of course, because it was the billion-dollar baby store. Bill, you know, just, just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these billion-dollar uh, bills everywhere. And then their entire campaign staff, yes, monkeys. Sitting there surrounded by money and monkeys who are running their campaign. And then there's a fantastic shot of Alice Cooper standing on some courthouse steps being interviewed by what is purportedly a press junket. And he's got the white tux and tails. So he's got like the long white tux jacket with the tails, the white dress pants, white top hat, a cane, no shirt, and a huge switchblade knife tucked into the uh, waistband of his pants. Just looking like the coolest thing who's ever lived. So there you go. Anyway, it is uh, 503-733-2970. It is Monday, and welcome to Day 12, one day before Election Ought 8, which is tomorrow, friends and neighbors, kids, Romans, gentlemen, friends, uh, boys, girls. I've done that all out of order. Tomorrow, 7 p.m., uh, the Rick Emerson Show, Election uh, Extravaganza. Our political party happens tomorrow night, 7 p.m., Grand Central Bowl, beautiful southeast Portland at 8 and Morrison, uh, featuring a live broadcast by Tim Riley, who will be giving you election updates, analysis, observations, thoughts uh, throughout the night. Uh, we'll also be uh, carrying CNN long-form coverage, Kira Phillips, Lisa Desjardins, Steve Kastenbaum, James Rube. It's all very exciting. Uh, so that is tomorrow. We'll have more on that here in a second. Coming up today, my friends, uh, Lisa Desjardins will join us. We'll also talk to Jim Rube. We will talk to Steve Kastenbaum. Carl Click from K2 will join us in the studio today. One o'clock, K2's Carl Click will be here to share, as he puts it, nonpartisan gossip and observations. Um, I do think that the first thing out of his mouth is going to be a discussion of which political party has the best food at their election night gatherings. Uh, so we'll touch to Carl Click. Also, very special guest today, one o'clock. 
in the 1 o'clock hour. Uh, we will talk to CNN senior business correspondent Ali Velchi, who you've seen, I think, probably every night for the past three months on Anderson Cooper on AC360. Um, and he also is the host of Your Money, which airs weekends on CNN. So we'll talk to him a little bit about where the economy is right now and specifically how it might be impacting the American mood and the election tomorrow. Uh, so Ali Velshi coming up later on. Carl Click, Steve Kasten, I'm James Rube, Lisa Desjardins. Um, Jesus, what else? Election poll today. Sarah and I both got a vote. You know what I mean? I know, and I, my ballot's still at my house. Oh my gosh, <laughs> loser! <laughs> no, I'm just gonna drop it off um, like this afternoon because there's uh-huh. some there's so many drop boxes next to my place. Whatever. I get it in every time. Okay. That sounds wrong. <laughs> Hulk Hogan got to eat, and uh, Rick Emerson got to vote. So uh, you have your ballot here. I have my ballot. The people will help me fill up my ballot later on today. Uh, so we'll do an exit poll. We'll fill out the ballot. Let's see what else. Some other stuff that I oh, and we'll if we have time today. I'm not even going to pretend that we're going to get to a top five. But if we have time, we will, in fact, uh, do another installment of the greatest songs ever made. So that's all coming up today, plus your phone calls and more. Don't forget, one random on-air caller today. One random on-air caller wins a pair of tickets to see The Thing. That is uh, all part of Horror Fest. Mondays at Broadway Regal Cinemas, 1000 Southwest Broadway, Portland, Oregon. Uh, the showtime for this one is November 10th. November 10th, 7.30 p.m. Pair of tickets to see The, scr- uh, the Thing on the big screen. There you go. Uh, that's one random on-air caller today. All right, Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification. Aerosmith Joe Perry is sharing his pick for president. It's John McCain. A Corvallis man is arrested for attempting to push a wheelchair-bound friend into the Willamette River. Two Vancouver men are hurt in a hatchet attack. A last-minute surge of ballot returns is expected. John McCain appears on SNL. Sarah Palin gets a prank call from zany morning DJ. 300 gallons of gas is stolen in Longview. A paperboy steals a car to make speedier deliveries. And King of the Hill will relinquish his position. They're canceling the show. Well, what are you going to do? When's it on for 13 years? People don't really realize that. It's been on for the better part of a decade and a half. All right. Hello, Sarah Dillon. How are you today? Hello. I'm doing fabulously. Are you? Yes. Really? Yes, in fact, I am. Okay. How just, was your just weekend? Just please don't ask me any more comments on your wardrobe. What do you mean? <laughs> you keep asking me yeah, if your pants fit okay. So I'm well, I was, it. you know, not to be all about me, but I, uh, you know, as I've said, because I'm, because I'm sort of lame, once I find something that works, I just sort of stick with it. This is the thing that Laura and I run into all the time is that she's very much, she's more, she's the experimental half of the couple. So Laura always wants to go out to a new restaurant, and I, like Tim, I always want to just find about four restaurants that work for me and just go to them over and over and over again. I went to number four over the weekend. Really? Mm-hmm. Was it satisfying? It was. You know, because it was not only the food was good, but it was part of your routine, mm-hmm. maintaining, a, you know, an order in one's life. And see, Laura, this is really why part of the reason I love her, because she's much more adventurous than I am. Um, you know, because, you know, a week from tomorrow, she's actually flying out of the country to go to Peru. Um, that's the, kind of the difference. You know where I'm going? Nowhere. I've got a one-way ticket to my couch. I'm going to be sitting, the entire time she's in the Amazon, I'm going to be sitting on my big, fat American ass, getting fatter and playing my Xbox, and that's it. So she's going to Peru. I'm staying home. Yesterday, she wants to go someplace new. I just want to go eat the same crap. But um, what was my point? Oh, so I buy most of my jeans at the Gap because they fit me, and I know how they work, and it, you know, whatever. I don't have, to, don't have to think about it. But I actually I branched out just a little bit. I bought a pair of Levi's. But oh, then you're I, crazy. I know, uh, but then I wash them, and they apparently shrink more than Gap jeans do. So now they're just... It, I got that whole thing where I'm looking like Michael Jackson circa 1986 or something. So I was asking, sir, they're not too short? You don't think they're too short? They're fine? I can wear them? They're not too short. <laughs> Tell me. Do I look like a retard? Tell me! 
Um, anyway, so. so did okay. you have a fun weekend? I did, but how was you? Enough about me, I Sarah. had a great weekend. Went to um, one of our coworkers, uh, Sarah Wagner. We've had her on the show. She's um, she has an amazing house, and so she had a, a big party on Friday night, and everyone was totally dressed up. It was a lot of fun, and then yeah, I spent the whole weekend. Just having a great time and watched a bunch of episodes of Mad Men. How great is that show? Yeah, I'm, I'm through um, 11 episodes now. Oh, so you're almost at the end. Yeah. Then you got to uh, start on season, season two, two, which is which is really quite something. Season two is wonderful. Have you gotten to the episode yet? That uh, there's a little Bob Dylan, I think, in episode in season one. No, I got the you know I, I got past the the bed made out of money and oh how yeah. great is that that? One, that was a great line that I love uh, that episode where he takes uh, his one of his uh, girlfriends to the, you know, they go to that East Village club or whatever yeah and they're singing that beautiful um, by the shores of Babylon song which is an amazing song anyway that's by Don that whole episode is really neat it really is great some of the episodes I have to say I did watch one of one episode that I didn't like the whole chip and dip one yeah was so it was surreal and ridiculous yeah. and yeah and just kind of creepy and him I want a gun, gun. And stuff and yeah. Oh, that guy, I just want to punch him in the Pete? face. Yeah. He's yeah. so obnoxious. He's deeply unnerving. So, yeah, so did that, and then um, watched, yeah, watched a ton of men, and then went over to Storm and Davies last night, and Storm is an amazing cook, and so she made um, a big dinner and stuff, and watched some Dexter. Excellent. It was a, yeah, it was all around a very good weekend. Uh, let's see. Well, and I uh, Let's see. Let me back up for a second. Let me go in reverse. What is today? Today is Monday? What did I do yesterday? Nothing. What did I, I ate some bacon though? What did I do uh, on Saturday? Saturday, uh, Laura and I went to see. This is weird because I didn't. I thought I had thought when I saw Metallica in 1992 that that was probably going to be the last time I saw them. Uh, I saw Metallica. I've seen Metallica. I guess now four times. Um, oh, did you go see them? I did. Um, the last time I saw Metallica before that, I saw them at Portland Meadows in 1992 on the Black Album tour with my brother. And I keep I keep running into people who are actually at that show, and I also keep running into people who are at the Metallica Guns N' Roses show in the Kingdom in 1991, I think. Um, and at that point, I you know I, I, you know I, one evolves, one moves on, and I didn't know that I would ever see Metallica again. And they went through a whole, you know, they went through a phase of putting out music that I wasn't really into. But um, but uh, KUFO had uh, Lisa Wood had actually hooked me up with uh, with a pair of tickets to Metallica, and I wanted Lara to go. Because, you know, Laura and I have this whole, like a lot of couples, this whole sort of mutual indoctrination thing. Because she's much more of an alternative fan and a folk fan. And so she, you know, she got me into Ani DeFranco. And, you know, put it this way. I took her to see Alice Cooper. She took me to see the Indigo Girls. I took her to see Cheap Trick. She took me to see Bare Naked Ladies. Um, and, you know, she's taken me to see um, Death Cab for Cutie. I took her to see Metallica. Because I want her to get... You know, kind of a metal experience because she just has, she didn't grow up in that culture at all, and I know that she's equally fascinated by and horrified by like metal dudes, and I figured that was a good way for her to see it. So we went there, and it was a great show. I have to say, they really did put on a great show. It did have one of the weirdest moments, especially I mean, especially for Metallica. I mean, even now in 2008, a thing that you don't really ever anticipate seeing at a Metallica show, which is at the very end, they're playing "Seek and Destroy," I think, which is the final song. And then they just drop from the rafters, yes, hundreds of small Metallica beach balls. I don't even Are know. Are you serious? I don't even know that it was bad. It was just weird. That's bad, Rick. It's bad. I'm just saying it was a little strange. Anyway, so we went. So that was but uh, Metallica beach balls in Portland, Oregon, on a rainy Saturday. It was odd. Evening. But but you know, Lara, God bless her. She pointed out. She looked at the beach balls and she goes, "Well, at least they're black." And I said, "Thank you, honey." Uh, so that was a great time. The paddock was there. We ran into Dave Zinn. He was there. So anyway, so that was Saturday. Friday, we did the coolest thing. Um, we went on a tour of the Lone Fir Cemetery on Friday night. 
And that actually does tie into Storm in a weird way because there's this, I don't have time to talk about the whole thing now, but, you know, they put out the Lone First Cemetery is the cemetery in Southeast. And they put out a record. Uh, there was a CD released about two weeks ago where what they did is ten Portland music acts each picked someone who was buried in the Lone First Cemetery and they wrote a song about them, about their lives. And Storm actually wrote one about a, girl, a woman named Charity who killed her husband with an axe. Go figure. <laughs> um, so Lara and I, on Friday night, we went and they do these tours of the Lone First Cemetery every Halloween. And it was so freaking badass. Because the deal is, you go through the cemetery, and first of all, they've got those, you know, the paper bags with candles all the way through. They've got this spooky, like, chime children's music playing. They've got, you know, speakers uh, sort of hidden throughout there. Now, where is the Lone First Cemetery? It's in, um, it's in Southeast. It's, um... I, I don't exactly I know. I think the Laurelhurst one. But it's no, not it's one. sort of closer to Broadway. It's, okay. It's by Asparza, sort of, but like in that direction, if you sort of know what I'm talking about, like if you're yeah. heading that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, you're walking through, and the great thing is you go there, and a tour guide grabs you, and the tour guide leads you through the cemetery, and he tells you the history of the cemetery, and he tells you, you know, sort of the background of the cemetery and why it's called the Lone Fir, because there was a single tree there for a long time. And then, at several points... During the tour, as you're walking through this pitch black cemetery, you will stop by certain graves. And because it's so dark, you don't see it coming. You will stop by certain graves or tombstones, and someone will walk towards you out of the darkness. And they are in character as that person who's in the grave. And they will tell you the story of how they lived and why they, and how they died. It was so cool. That's really neat. Like, the ver one of the graves was the grave of the very first police officer killed on the line of duty in Portland. And so you walk by his cemetery, and he suddenly comes out of the out of the dark, and he tells you the story of how he came to be in Portland. He was an immigrant from Prague. How he came to be killed downtown, right there where that borders is now. Mm -hmm. How he was stabbed to death. And then he tells the story of his funeral, and then he says thank you and good night, and he recedes kind of back into the darkness. It was so freaking cool. That's really neat. It was anyway. So that was our. Friday. Did they go on and on, or did they kind of summarize? Them it was like quickly? you know two three minutes. Okay. It good. was great. It was really good. Then we went home and we watched The Fly with Vincent Price, one of the finest horror films ever made. You know what? Scary. I, what it, it stays better in my memory than it does in real life is I went and saw uh, on Saturday night the original Batman. Oh yeah. Yeah, they were playing it at the Baghdad. Holy crap, that movie's not as great as I no, remember it to be. It is terrible. Terrible. Worst Joker ever. No, we we had to leave like after yeah. like a, an hour and a half. I'm just like, I can't take this anymore. And you know what it was more than anything? It was the gun, like the gunplay. Yeah. I don't know if you remember how outdated it sounds. But it's just like, boo, boo. Like the fakest gunshots yeah. and just Jack it's, Nicholson was so annoying. It's and, not a good movie. Yeah, everything was just terrible about it. I was really excited to see it, but I'm like, oh. Um, let's see. Uh, a couple things here. Um... Well, a couple more Halloween notes, and then we'll move on. We'll talk about uh, the election. Uh, oh, it's at Southeast Morrison and 20th. That's where it is. Um, oh, then that is. Then I have been there. Did you yeah. see all the old uh, the grave sites with the the woodsman? No. Because it's dark, and you can really only see what they've illuminated. What they've illuminated, okay. Yeah, because I've, I've been there, go there during the day sometime, and they have these beautiful gravestones for um, woodsmen who were killed, and they're just like these huge gravestones carved to look like big pieces of log. Right. It's really neat. It was, it was pretty fantastic. We're going to go back during the day. Um, let's see. Just a couple brief notes here about Halloween, and then we move on. We'll talk about the. We'll talk about the. the uh, what do you call it? The election and so forth. Um, somebody who I will not name. I'll, I'll just. I'll call them a coworker. I have just a, a handful of things here. We have a coworker here who I will not identify. They probably wouldn't have a problem with it, but I won't identify with them. Who uh, their kid was going out trick or treating, and apparently there was some. Uh, joyless next-door neighbor who was uh, giving out, wait for it, not just cassette tapes, but in fact religious cassette tapes for Halloween, was giving out cassette tapes about the Word of Christ. And so this co-worker 
when seeing that her child had been given a cassette tape about, you know, the Almighty for Halloween, said, and I'm quoting now, I'm not going to let you listen to some damn Jesus tape. And then they described it. Boom! The Jesus tape went into the trash. So there you go. Best parent ever. Uh, let's see. What else? Um, one final thing here, and then we'll do a couple calls, then we'll take a break. We'll come back with Lisa Desjardins. Um, I know someone who works with the mentally enfeebled, people who possess any number of challenges up to and possibly including delusions and schizophrenia. Um, and somewhat ill-advisedly, I guess not everybody at this place, at this, there is a place where, um, those with mental challenges, perhaps discerning reality from not, um, live and spend a lot of their time. Lloyd Center? I didn't say that. It's a, it's a facility where they care for folks who maybe aren't entirely there. Uh, apparently, on Friday, not everybody who works there got the memo about no Halloween costumes. <laughs> and so I guess at one point, someone who uh, spends some time there because they uh, aren't all together came to one of the employees and said, there's a giant bumblebee out in the hallway. And there was. Oh. <laughs> uh, all right, there you go. Crazy. Um, okay, that's it. Let's do a couple calls here, and then we'll take a break. Let's see here. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey, Tim. Hey, sir. What do you got? This is going to be my first uh, Rick Emerson listener event since I started listening to your show, and I'm very looking forward to it. Excellent. Uh, I'll make sure not to look Tim Riley in the eyes. Yeah, uh, yeah please, and do, uh, keep your hands and feet away from his mouth, sir. Yep. Uh, I got nothing else. Uh, all right. Actually, well, we're looking forward to it. See you tomorrow, sir. Sure. All right. Thank you. It's going to be the best place to be because you're going to remember this for years to come. It will be a historic night, Tim. Mm -hmm. Yes. Not a, not an historic night. It's not an historic night? A historic night. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hey. How's it going? <laughs> it's going well, sir. How can I help you? Um, yeah, I was going to uh, recap on uh, last Friday when you were talking about you guys are coming up with the different uh, names of candies to remember. Yeah. Uh, do you remember the Rothschilds? Uh, I don't, actually. Tim, Rothschilds yeah. candy? No. No. Yeah, they came in. They were like Rolos, but they were hard candy. Oh, I do like, remember those. Do you remember, remember the Rolo uh, Rothschilds can't something something without a Rothschild? I do remember those. Well and spotted. Yeah, and I used to eat those in high school. Excellent. Another thing, too, was uh, you guys were trying to think of a box set from ACDC. Yes. Well, they do have a compilation of every stinking video they've ever did, uh, uh, Family Jewels. That's right. They got that, and then they got the, so they have that, and then they have the Bonfire set, which is uh, all the Bon Scott stuff. Yeah, uh, and just a couple, couple more things, too, uh, before I go. The, the thing, did you know that in Seattle, the school performing arts that they use, um, Kurt Russell's acting skills in there to help some of the kids become actors? That is righteous. Yeah, isn't that cool? And the other thing that I had was, is remember when Sarah, uh, did she dress up for as uh, Tim Curry? I did indeed. Oh, cool. Because uh, when, when Rick was talking about that, it brought up the strangest, it's kind of odd the way you dressed up as a transvestite who was, you know what I'm saying? Uh, the, it reminded me of uh, how a, a gay, or actually a man and a woman get a sex change, and all of a sudden they meet, and then they marry. It's exactly like that. Exactly like it's that. Isn't that a trip? <laughs> All right, excellent. Thank you, my friend. All right, have a good day. Oh, there you go. All right, it's a thing inside a thing. All right, do we have to break, Sarah? Yes, we do. You have no idea how much stuff there is to get through today. we got to buckle down. All right, back after this, Lisa Desjardins, Steve Kastenbaum, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. You will not believe the number of political notes that I have from this weekend, including... I have the best Sarah Palin email you are ever going to hear. After this.
Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. How is it that I already feel that we're like two hours behind? Anyway. Coming up here in just a short while, we'll talk to CNN Radio Correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Later on, K2's Carl Click will join us. We'll talk to CNN Senior Business Correspondent Ali Velshi. Uh, let's see, later on, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Jim Roop, the greatest songs ever made, and more so, plus uh, another uh, exit poll today. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, I believe, Dick Giuliano joining us. Yes, good Hi. afternoon, Rick, from Atlanta. Hi, Dick. The, uh, I'm... CNN News Center. Sorry about that. I wasn't quite sure if it was, uh, if it was Lisa well, or... Lisa, Lisa's trying to get through on another line. It's all very complex and confusing. Um, so you are at now, are you in Atlanta right now, or have they got you at some, uh, some undisclosed location? Yeah, Lisa and I are both in... Uh, at the CNN Center in Atlanta for tomorrow evening's election night coverage. Uh, Lisa is anchoring along with Kira Phillips, and I'll be doing updates uh, through the evening as these results begin to come in uh, in this very, very exciting uh, election. Uh, the, the understatement of the century, uh, really? sir. The, so here's a question. As we get to her now within, what, I guess the first polls start closing uh, in around, I don't know, 25 hours, 26 hours, something like that. Um, so what, if anything... Can can Obama or McCain be doing at this point? In other words, obviously Obama has been very much on the don't give up, don't stop, you know, keep pressing all the way to the end. But really, in, in, when you get down to brass tacks, what does that actually mean? What are they doing right now? Well, uh, they're both uh, campaigning very, very actively on this final full day of the campaign. McCain, perhaps in a reflection of all the hard work he's got to do, Rick, is going through five different states today. And another reflection, seven. Lisa, seven states? And in, a, in another reflection of, uh, of the situation, Obama is campaigning through uh, traditionally red states, uh, which kind of shows you uh, the lay of the land and uh, how this uh, race is sort of sized right. up this, uh, 24 hours before and, the uh, voting. And actually, I'm going to see if I can patch Lisa into this call here. So let's hold on just one second here and see if this will. Hi, Hello? Lisa. Hey, how you doing? Hey, this is great. This is. I know this is a hokey idea. I just always like when... Uh... You know, we're all, we're all in it together. All right, so is everybody able to hear everybody else here? Yeah. yeah. All right, sometimes the phone system is sort of like the gremlin on the wing of William Shatner's plane. <laughs> well uh, done, Richie. Uh, all right, so um, anyway, so we were just talking about sort of this last yeah. push, this last, uh, you know, 25, 26 hours, uh, whatever it is. And it, everybody, as we get closer to the election, everybody starts talking about the October surprise, the November surprise, the thing that's, you know, it's going to come out of the blue and sort of change, be a game changer in the last day. But it seems like we are now even beyond closing arguments. We are now in just just a reminding everybody to to get to get off their uh, rears tomorrow and go vote. Yeah, I, I honestly, my, I think at this point that all of these rallies, all these campaign stops do very little to change any minds. And it is all about getting your people out and getting, getting some TV time, but, um, you know, I just read, and I haven't told Dick this yet, I just read Obama, I'm sorry, John McCain had a rally in Florida this morning, obviously such an important state for him. Just 1,100 people came out, and George Bush had a rally in 2004, same spot, also late in the campaign, 
13,000 people. Wow. So, you know, that, that does, that's not so great. And I think and you would like this a lot, Rick. Charlie Chris, Florida's governor, was supposed to give interviews right after this McCain rally, and uh, he bolted. He, he, <laughs> he's just, no comment. See you guys later. i got to go. i got some dry cleaning to pick up. It's all the same to y'all. Um, all right. And so we have already heard, I was watching uh, CNN yesterday, and they were, they, they have, you know, I, Anderson Cooper's been doing this thing of giving out this number for people to call if they have voting issues or problems. And have has there been any indication in this early voting that things are going to go pretty hinky or sideways over the next day? Well, you know, one in, one thing we've we've learned from the early voting is the lines are really really long, and I think that if there are issues on election day, and there probably will be, uh, it will be about volume. I mean, there are just huge increases in newly registered voters, and as you know, Rick, there's been tremendous interest, so a lot of people will turn out. And guess what? Governments run these elections. And, you know, it's never perfect when government does things like this. So some problems will crop up. But I think, uh, Lisa, do you agree? It'll mainly be about volume, a yeah. huge number of people. I wonder, I think, Oregon, you may have your results before any of the East Coast states close. I don't know. A lot of states actually are thinking about already extending hours today for tomorrow. Amanda Moyer told me, just told me a little while ago, she was in line for six hours here in, and I said, you've got to be kidding me. She really, she was in line for six hours. So I think that's the issue. But, Rick, to your delight, I will also agree with you that I think we are going to have uh, maybe not a tidal wave, but we're going to have enough uh, serious other voting problems, whether it's allegations of fraud or people who thought they voted for one person and then ended up voting for the other. I, I think those stories we're going to have. Um, a migraine full of them. Excellent. I think, I well, think they'll be all over. That that sort of thing does make me happy. I know uh, it would. It, just as we, I know you guys are very busy today. Uh, it, final thing here. Do you know? Is there any sort of a Vegas line on this? Uh, I, and I mean that literally, because you know, the, the, you know, you go to Vegas, you can go to the, you can go to the sports book or the, you know, the the maker of book, as Rod Serling used to say, and they'll place, you know, they'll give you odds on anything. Do we know if there's a Vegas line on the election? You know, I don't know, and there has to be one. I know there is a. There have been, um, I think, the University, maybe of Wisconsin. There's been a couple of universities that do political futures and have had sort of this online free kind of game, where you're starting all the way back at the beginning, like of the a primary. fantasy football thing. Yeah, fantasy yeah. football going all the way back before Iowa, um, and they've been keeping tabulations and, and having people bet. And I know Obama was up on that kind of political futures. But I don't know an actual Vegas line. Uh, Dick Giuliano very quickly looking it up. I don't know if we're going to yeah. get it for you, though. I don't think so. Yeah. I, you know, I don't even know the Redskins uh, line tonight. But, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> not, that, not that you would know that, Rick. Hey, and by the way, tomorrow, am I to understand that, Lisa, there is actually a brand-new episode of The Shield tomorrow, which I'm going to be obliged to with the miss. I did not know that. You'd think they'd know to skip a week, just like Mad Men no skip during the Emmys. You know what, what I mean? What do they so. do? And I guess that's going to be right in middle of prime time yeah, presidential yeah. decision time. Sorry, right? Vic, Vic Mackey's just going to have to wait. Um, wow. Hey, a, 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 a final thing here, Lisa. I sent you an email about this this weekend. Yes. Did you get? So you did get that this uh, and uh, when it was in Cleveland, it was yesterday around I don't know maybe uh, maybe three four in the yes. afternoon Pacific time. I'm watching Barack Obama, and keep in mind, I'll say this by, by way of a preamble. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care. I, you know, it doesn't bother me one way or the other. I really don't. It was just odd to be watching Barack Obama give a speech in Cleveland yesterday when he did drop in a little bit of a Malcolm X reference. He used a Malcolm X speech line, which is just it's just weird more than anything else. Uh, it, it really, I actually was in the other room, and the TV was in the living room. I was in, in the home office doing some stuff, and I heard Barack Obama say, he said this, he said, 
Don't get hoodwinked. Don't get bamboozled. And from the other room, I actually shouted to my wife. I said, I said something like, what would, are you kidding me? Pause that. (laughs) I mean, it was the strangest moment. It was flat out bizarre is what it was. Yeah. You know, I was bad at not getting back to you later on. But you know what's, what's funny about that is that he actually has used those exact words uh, the first time that he used those was back in January, I think in South Carolina. And you know, and he he switches it up. Sometimes he'll say, you know, he likes he likes pulling the old okie doke. He'll pull that out right, a lot. Right. And and he'll kind of he switches off hoodwinked, bamboozled, okie doke, pull the wool over. Like he'll throw all of these different phrases in there. And every now and then, bamboozled and hoodwinked will end up right next to each other. And back in January, it did lead to um, a story on Politico about it really? sounding just like Malcolm X. And I wouldn't be surprised if, again, today there's going to be some uh, more talk about it. But I think what's interesting is I could see back in January uh, when that first came out, the Obama campaign saying, oh, you know, give me a, we have no idea. We, you just said that. But, you know, now that that story happened in January, now he's going back to the old family. That, that, that is not a – look. You know, good, they, know, they know about the Malcolm X, re- X reference. Now, it is just a reference to the movie. But uh, but still, it is yeah. It's it's it, uh, it is taken from the when he's giving the speech in Harlem. Despite Lee, yeah. Yeah, and although it should be said, um, because I'm it, it, he, I'm a big fan of Spike Lee and of that movie, and I'm just a powerful rhetoricians. Uh, when that when that movie came out, I was so sort of taken with some of those speeches and the way they were done. I I did research it a little bit, and that speech he gives in Harlem where he says. You've been took, you've been hoodwinked, led astray, run amok. It is actually, that is a composite of actual speeches. So oh, that's great. It yeah. is. Anyway, so it's just it's just one of those things that does bring out the inner, uh, uh, you know, sort of the inner Paul Begala in me, where you wonder if that's going to make it into an ad. But at this point, probably not. So so, so you almost, at this point, you know, well, maybe maybe he would need to wait till tomorrow, but at this point, you, do you feel like he can kind of just say anything, associate with anyone, because it's too late for the McCain campaign to... Uh, Maybe. And it could be like, Fidel Castro is not that bad. You know, maybe. And, or maybe just what give. What could the McCain campaign do about it? If he's quoting Malcolm X, he's not too far away. <laughs> or maybe just give recipes. Maybe he could just, you know, today we're going to talk about sweet potato pie. <laughs> All right. Uh, Lisa Desjardins and Dick Iuliano, we will uh, probably not talk until uh, tomorrow at some point. Okay. Uh, have a, yep. have a, a great day, and let's all, uh, let's all be careful out there. Hey, better late than never, Rick. Barack Obama is 1 to 10 in Vegas. McCain, you get 5 to 1. Wow. Uh, wow. All right, then. Um, on that note, we will uh, bid adieu for now, and I will talk to you uh, all tomorrow. Thank you. Okay, Thank you, Lisa Desjardins and Dick Iuliano. All right, fantastic. Well, that was weird and great. That was strange. I didn't know exactly how that would right. work out. Yes, I'm feeling a little bit crazy today. Just the tiniest bit. Not bad crazy. You know what it is? It's like the... Um, it is like the energy that is pent up inside a capacitor. That is sort of a, for you nerds in the house. I'm That's just sort feeling, of what like, it's like today. repressed energy today because I'm so like nervous for tomorrow that I'm not even like allowing myself to think about it. No, that's my thing. And you know, and you and I have talked about this a lot. You know, sometimes you'll come into the and when I'm when I say you, I mean any of us. But you know, we'll come to the show sometimes and you know, be cranky or you know, some problem or you have to fight with your wife or whatever, you know, the, the, you know, the, whatever, the dog ate your homework. But you come here and, you, you know, you're feeling all weirded out or you're feeling, uh, you know, ticked off. And the, you sort of like fight the urge to talk about it. You're like, ah, I don't want to burden the people with my problems. But what have we always learned? That if you just if you just just say it, if you just say, look, here's the problem. I'm in a bad mood because... Or on those days when, like, I'm getting on your nerves or, you know, you're getting on my nerves for whatever reason. And we finally just 
you know, we just skip to the bottom of the page and address it, and it's always so much better because it's sort of a, a, a safety valve, right? It's sort mm-hmm. of a release of the pressure. Here's you're saying I, you're feeling a little crazy today? No, but here's what I feel like. Today, I feel like it's one of those days. Not that I'm in a bad mood. I'm not. I'm absolutely not. But it is one of those days where I feel like when one of us comes in and has, like, some weird thing that's pent up inside that we just need to get out. But I feel like today the safety, the release valve is already open and it's just not doing any good. Like, there's just no way to get rid of all the excess energy there's I have There's no way. There's, you're t- absolutely right. The only thing that's going to get rid of it is the passing of time. Yeah, that's it. Just like, getting, over to, like, getting over the hump that is tomorrow. I am just, I'm just overcranked, uh, as they say in the computing world. I'm, I'm, I'm overclocked today. And there's... I don't feel like there's anything I can do about it. I feel like I could just sit and, uh, you know, I don't know. I could just sit and scream at the top of my lungs for five or six hours, sort of Jungian style, and there would it would be no different. I just I think the entire country is that way. I think there is the collective breath holding mm-hmm. right now. All right. Yeah, I've never like known any. A lot of my friends or people in general who are more, have more anxiety or who are more stressed out oh, at man. this point, like. Everyone's just kind of kooky and freaking out, and nobody can really talk about it because everyone's burned out about it. All right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. I believe he is in uh, New York City today. CNN radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. I'm back where I belong. Uh, Back in the New York groove, as Ace Fraley once sang. Yes. All right. Um, I I don't even know where to start, and I say that with everybody the last three or four days because there seems to be so much to talk about, and on the other hand, it's like we are so up against it that there's nothing to talk about. Right now, I feel like we are... I feel like right now, the election is this sort of very complex painting that we have been looking at for a long time, and we started slowly walking toward the painting from half a mile away. And at first, the painting is just a tiny speck, then it's a small blur, and then it gets bigger, and finally, the painting is in perfect proportion, and you can see all the detail. But now... We have taken so many steps, and we are actually now nose-to-nose with the painting. We are right up against it, and we are actually so close to this painting, we can no longer see any detail. It is just this wash of color, and that's kind of how the election vibe is right now. It is just this wash of generalized fear, excitement, anxiety, and anticipation. And no matter who you talk to, you get the same reaction. I can't wait until this election is over. Exactly. I mean, yeah. uh, so I don't even know what you're, what's what specifics you're sort of handling today. Um, you know, I know that uh, you were talking a lot about Pennsylvania and how it's all been about turnout and the ground game and going door to door. You know, making as they say the retail politics work for people and just making sure that folks get out the door. Um, well, I, while I was in Philadelphia last week, I went to the suburbs because the, pol- the political analysts say that uh, the Pennsylvania election is going to be won in the suburbs of Philadelphia. And for the past couple of months, Barack Obama's uh, get-out-the-vote efforts have been very fruitful in that they registered hundreds of thousands of new Democrats in Pennsylvania, around uh, Philadelphia and the suburbs especially. And uh, as a result, there are now 1.2 million more registered Democrats than Republicans in Pennsylvania. So I went to go speak to some of those folks in the suburbs of Philly, many of which used to be Republican strongholds, and uh, they all seem to be going for Barack Obama. And uh, this woman I spoke to in Jenkintown was pretty typical of of the reaction I got when I spoke to folks about uh, this phenomenon. I've been in enclaves where I consider very conservative, and I never thought I'd see as many Obama signs as I saw. That's exactly the case. You go around the suburbs and and you see 
both John McCain and Barack Obama lawn signs, but every single lawn has a, a sign on it for one or the other candidate. It's um, it really is interesting here, and obviously Portland's a very, as we often say, Portland blue city inside a red state. Um, right. You get about twenty miles outside of town, and it's just you know banjos and rednecks. But uh, but here in Portland, it's you know very progressive, as I think we're now legally required to call it. Even though by Portland standards, I have to say, and this is just my objective assessment, I could be wrong, um, but even in Portland, which is a left-leaning town to say the least, it does seem like there is an astonishing uh, amount of, especially Obama stuff out there. But you said you can't go, I mean, you can't go more than three cars on the road uh, without seeing somebody that's just festooned the back of their automobile with some kind of electioneering, you know, uh, stickers, signs, buttons, whatever. It is uh, it, it is quite unlike anything I've certainly ever seen. And I know that people are given to hyperbole about elections. This is the biggest election, the most important election, more than any election in your lifetime. But it really does feel like what was just... Um, slogan before is really now reality in terms of the vibe and the energy and the um, the electorate being engaged. Yeah, and, and you know, you guys uh, also, despite it being, uh, as you said, a red state in most of the state, uh, are in a situation where we might wind up being uh, one of the locations, uh, Oregon, uh, being one of the ones where the Republicans lose a, a Senate seat. Yeah. Correct? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. This is a, we're going to be doing a, a coverage of a lot of different races tomorrow, and that's actually one of them. So, anyway, um, all right. Uh, final thoughts before we uh, before we uh, bid each other farewell till tomorrow, sir. I'm trying not to think too much about the election because I know tomorrow is going to be one crazy day, and I'm just trying to take it easy today. So I'm like looking for other things to catch my interest. Mm -hmm. uh, in addition to looking at Sarah's blog, which she knows because we were just chatting about it. But uh, I, uh, you know what story caught my eye? Did you see how um, Circuit City is going to be closing 155 of their locations nationwide? Because I did of not. Poor performance? Yeah, so uh, I'm looking for the clearance sales, which will start on Wednesday, the day after the election. Excellent. I'm thinking new flat screen TV right now. I was gonna say, so you know, so on the, on Wednesday, whether one is. Um... I don't know, wishing to drown the sorrow of, of, of one's party and not uh, rising to power, or simply whether you're just trying to uh, find some sort of way to assuage the pain of eight months of political stress. Uh, you could do worse than to accomplish that with low-priced electronic goods, sir. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking I'm going to get over my headache by finally caving in and getting a flat screen. And you know what? Uh, some guys drink, some people buy shoes, uh, some people go buy uh, you know things that you plug into a wall that go... So that's what I'm going to get. All right. Um, we will talk to you tomorrow. Enjoy your day. We will uh, have speaks with you on Tuesday, sir. Looking forward to checking in with you guys tomorrow night. Uh, indeed. All right, there you go. Steve Kastenbaum. He will be part of our long-form coverage tomorrow night. Lisa Desjardins, Kira Phillips, Steve Kastenbaum, James Roop. Everybody, tomorrow night, don't forget, our long-form coverage starts at 7 p.m. tomorrow. Uh, Tim Riley will be doing live updates from Grand Central Bowl uh, for the Rick Emerson Show Political Party, which is happening uh, tomorrow night, uh, along with our partners, the Willamette Week and the Oregon Bus Project. It's going to be a little bit different than a listener party. Yeah, people, to, that, let's make sure to specify that it isn't a listener party. Yeah, people like, have, we're just all hanging out. People have said listener party, I think, just because that's it's sort of just a catch-all descriptor that people have been uh, been using. It really is going to be a lot different, largely because it's not just us. It is uh, us as well as the Willamette and the Oregon Bus Project. And also, you know, the listener parties are very structured, a lot of events, a lot of things happening, bands and films and whatever. This is really more of just a results-watching party. Think of it as, you know, like a Super Bowl party or, the, you know, the, where you get together and you watch the Super Bowl commercials at some, you know, some venue. That really is going to be what tomorrow is like. 
Um, we want to thank our uh, sponsors, Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing, Taboo Adult Video for making that possible. So Tim Riley will be broadcasting live, uh, giving updates uh, throughout the night. It's 503-733-2970. Um, we, we should just break now. I've resigned myself to the fact that we're going to be behind today no matter what we do. So we're going to come back and get right into the news. Coming up later on, K2's Carl Click, CNN's Ali Velshi, uh, is going to be uh, talking to us about the economy and its impact on the election tomorrow. Later on, we'll talk to Jim Roop. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Emerson Radio Program, it's 503-733-2970. You know what they still sell? Men's Vogue. Remember how we had that story on Friday? They're going down to two issues a year? Yes, only two. I don't know how many issues a year they were doing before, but I went to Plaid Pantry last night. Men's Vogue, right? And, you know, and I always do, I think it's a habit from adolescence when I used to care about things like Rolling Stone magazine. So whenever I go into a convenience store, magazine store, any place that sells sort of periodicals of that nature, I will look at the magazine rack to see what's on sale. You know, and, and I think a lot of people do this. Will you still look to see who's on the cover of Rolling Stone? Yes. All right. Sarah? Do I still look? Yeah. No, as soon as I saw the cast members of The Hills on it, I stopped looking. <laughs> I no longer need to care. No, there's a why care? Why care? They obviously don't care, so why should I? Fair enough. Um, But I will still look at the cover of Rolling Stone, Time, whatever. So I looked uh, at Rolling Stone yesterday, and I think it's it's Barack Obama, but I I could be wrong about that. But sitting right next to it for some reason is Men's Vogue. And we had just talked about Men's Vogue on Friday and how they were chopping it down to two issues a year. You know who's on the cover of the Men's Vogue that's on stands right now? Anyone? John Hamm? Star? Close. Close. John Edwards. Oh, that is close. And so here's the thing. I'm looking at the cover of Men's Vogue, and it's John Edwards on the front. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. Maybe, like, the great remake has become. You know, maybe he's uh, revamping his image. He's trying to uh, burnish his appearance with the public. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is the rehabilitation of John Edwards. So I pick it up, and I look at it. And the headline, it says he's looking all, like, kind of tough and like a bomber jacket. And the headline, you know, the very the cover says John Edwards, and then below it it says on terrorism, family, and his recent surge in the polls. And I look, I'm at it's from July. Oh no! Oh, so Men's Vogue may only be doing two issues a year going forward. Mm-hmm. They couldn't have been doing more than four issues a year, like before, because they still got an issue on the front where it looked like John Edwards was going to be the next president. So. That's kind of awkward. you got to wonder how many times a week John Edwards himself walks into a store and sees that on the stands and just kind of goes, ah, crap. Pint of whiskey, please. All right. 503-733-2970. This is Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Two men are injured in a weekend Vancouver hatchet attack. A man assaulted and injured two other men with a hatchet. Uh, near a park in the coup, police were called to the scene of 4th Plain Boulevard and Neal's Lane around 8.45 in the morning. Officers at the scene say the two men were attacked 
by the hatchet man on the sidewalk next to the Evergreen Park. Motives for the assault are being investigated. They think the attacks may have been random. Don't you mean to say the man was going to bury the hatchet, Tim? I certainly do. Okay. He was a hatchet man. Yeah. The suspect who ran from the scene after the assault is described as a white man between 25 and 30, old, clean-shaven, with an unknown build. I like the idea that he was just described. Build. Unknown build is a weird phrase. Is that like a pile of potatoes? <laughs> yeah. How can he have an unknown build? That sounds like an unlicensed construction project. It really does. Now, I'm it sorry. We're going to have to come in and we're going to have to condemn this whole thing. This here is an unknown build. It's uh, clearly not up to spec. And that he's just described as being old. He had an intense stare that may have been an indication of a mental condition. Um, Let's see here. Uh, somebody's sending me a link about Drudge Rick. Have you seen the uh, the Uber spin mode that Drudge has been in the last week? Now he has a photograph of Obama at a rally in Florida where he's supposedly congratulating McCain and flipping him off. Says it is clear from the photo he's probably scratching his cheek or something. Uh, go to DrudgeReport.com, look before he changes it. All right? I do a, I do whatever I'm told without thinking. Is that like some Zelig-like photograph? Probably. I'm going in right now. Let's see. Obama. <laughs> okay. That's a great photo. Uh, he's probably scratching his cheek, but look how great that is. That is wonderful. That is incredible. It is the lead photo on Drudge. Obama congratulates McCain is the headline. Oh, he is not flipping him off. And that it, it is, it's clearly like one of those things where you adjust your glasses or whatever. You push them up. At you. Uh, like I, I used to have a school teacher, a nun, who would push her glasses up with the middle finger. And we'd always go, <laughs> flip us off. <laughs> My dad, whenever he, he drives, he sticks his arm in the window and, and holds, you know, the top of the window. That's going to get him shot finger. someday. Totally. So we, we always be driving around. It looks like he's just driving around flipping everybody off. Be careful where you do that. Uh, it does for all the world, though. If you didn't, if you didn't really know the context, or if you didn't know sort of the way that Drudge leans on these things, you would in fact think that was Barack Obama giving John McCain the finger, which would also be great. I mean, what do I, you know, a day away? What do I care? All right, here's Tim Riley. Does no, nobody care that someone was attacked by a hatchet? That all goes to show. Where was it at? The coup. Well, see, there you go. I don't live there. Not in my neighborhood, Tim. As long as it's not in my backyard. How about the man arrested for trying to push his wheelchair-bound friend into the river? This happened in Corvallis. A friend tried to push another friend who's who's stuck in a wheelchair into the Willamette River. Happened around 3 o'clock. The victim told police... Like as a favor? Like to well, help him swim? Or? Apparently an argument ensued. This is an ongoing dispute. When uh, one guy hit the other guy in the head... Then the victim told police this fellow named Bainham took control of the wheelchair handles and threatened to push him into the river. The victim said he tried to stop the wheels, but his friend kept pushing and pushing his wheelchair. And within a foot of a steep cliff, three people said the victim yelled for help as the, uh, the bad friend took off. Here's a little bit of advice for me to you. If you're in a wheelchair, don't pick a fight with a guy that's got legs. I mean, I don't mean to generalize here to make broad stereotypes, but it... It does seem like that's a fight you will probably, unless you're like one of those murder ball guys, that's a fight you're not going to win. A man injured in a fall at Quest Field after a Seahawks game is a Portland firefighter. Lieutenant Alan Oswald said the man was with a group of other firefighters at yesterday's game and fell down a stairwell as they were leaving. He's in stable condition at Harborview Medical Center in Seattle with his family and other firefighters standing by. I think there should be a Richard Quest Field, you know, where, where athletes would play. That would be great. You know, the, the, you know, currently there is only parking in the blue lot. Never mind. Whatever. Popcorn, two for a dollar.
All right, here's Tim Ryan. I can tell everybody's excited about this election. I'm, it's uh, almost like the day before Christmas in here. I'm filled with a kind of manic energy, yeah, Jim. Yeah, you're kind of nuts. No you're like yelling. <laughs> That's because I was doing Richard Quest just now. Oh. I better move some of this loose. You don't listen here. to anything I do. <laughs> no, it's just like when sometimes when I hear loud, I tune out. Oh, uh, we were talking about Richard Quest. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> You can't do Richard Quest in a moderate. There's no inside voice for Richard Quest. That's right a, across his posterior. That's what I'm saying. All right, here's Tim Riley. 300 gallons of gas has been stolen in Longview. Hundreds of gallons of gas stolen from a convenience store. This occurred at the Hudson Mart and Gas in Longview. The owner of the convenience store declined an on-camera interview, but said he noticed the theft when 300 gallons of gas were unaccounted for. He checked surveillance video and found nothing out of the ordinary. The average price at the Mini Mart over the weekend was two fifty-seven a gallon, meaning the store lost $771 in gas. Hey, can I ask you a question about gas, Tim? Sure. Ask away. I mean, you may or may not be able to answer this, and your answer might just be that you know, the American economic system is just set up to give us all a big screw-in, no matter of what you know the outside variables may be. So I get to go to Utah this uh, Christmas, you know, because I'm a because I'm a good Christmas person. Christmas in Utah. Yes. Uh, so I get to go to uh, Christmas late in December, and so Laura was, you know, online buying our tickets or whatever. And, you know, remember when they were doing that other jazz about raising all our tickets because of the price of gas and the price of oil? Hadn't the price of gas gone back to at least around what it was? Well, it always goes down before the election. But, I mean, why then are my airplane tickets? Because they were tacking all those service charges and crap on mm-hmm. because of the price of gas. And yet the price of gas, the price of fuel has fallen back to about what it was, and yet my airplane tickets are exactly the same price. And the stupid, like, service charge that they were screwing me with because of the fuel cost, that's exactly the same, even though the fuel cost has gone back to normal. Yes. There really is no answer for this. And I saw gas at 261 a gallon in the suburbs. Right. So, I mean, doesn't that kind of make you want to pick up the phone and call the airline and say, look, jackass, the, the price of fuel has gone back to what it was before. Why am I still paying this fuel surcharge when there is no more additional fuel cost that you, the airline, are having to pass along to me? Well, you can try calling them, but your chances of getting through, press no. 9 to call the jackass. <laughs> uh, have Thanks I told you my thing that when I call my air, I won't identify them, but when I call my airline of choice, mm-hmm. have I told you that I do this thing of, of quizzing the guy to see where he's stationed, the guy who answers the phone? I do this thing of quizzing the customer service rep to see what country he's in, and if he says he's in America, I try to trip him up. I quiz him about it. So, like, uh, he'll, you know, you know, hello, thank you for calling, you know, blah, 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 airlines. And he will say clearly a person, person for whom English is probably a second language, and in my opinion, probably a guy who is in some call center in, like, India. So occasionally, especially if they're, like, give me the runaround, I'll actually just ask the customer service rep. I'll say, hey, by the way, and I think they've been told a lie about it, too. Mm-hmm. Because he'll be, you know, set me up, and he'll go, okay, one one flight to Utah. That will be $94,000. And so I'll be giving him my credit card information. And I will say, so uh, where are you at right now? And he'll say, I'm at work. And I'll say, no, 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 what what, what, what state are you in? Where state? And, and they, I think, are not allowed to reveal that they are in another country or that that airline has outsourced their call bank. And so I will say, well, really, what... Uh, what state are you in? Idaho? Really? What's the capital of Idaho? Sacramento? And and then, you know, and then at least I have my worst fears confirmed and I just go about my daily life. All right, here's Tim Riley. Here's another gasoline story. The average price of gasoline in the U.S. recorded its largest drop ever as crude oil prices plunged and consumer demand continued to wane. 
A new study shows a gallon of self-service regular down 35 cents over the past two weeks to 3.31. Why, it's cheaper than that here. If crude oil prices don't spike, we can expect further price cutting for two reasons. Whatever they are, they're probably lies. Mm-hmm. I just don't trust these oil companies. The animated lives of Hank and Peggy are set to come to an end. Variety is reporting that Fox is ending production of its Texas-based animated comedy King of the Hill after 13 seasons and almost 260 episodes. The good news for the show's fans, as this is indeed, if this is the end, new episodes could still run into next year. Due to erratic scheduling and the show's cycles, which don't mold into the traditional TV season, episodes for the show's 12 cycles are airing now. This makes about as well, much sense but, as the gas. Basically what it is, is it's that animation just takes such an incredibly long time to do. I mean, especially if you're not doing it South Park style. Mm-hmm. You know, South Park, they put everything together. They basically just have a... Because South Park is still done in that construction paper style, even though it's done on a computer. I read somewhere that... I think they said that about 85% of South Park episodes can be done with a finite number of construction paper shapes. In other words, uh, you know, there's a bank of, I don't know, let's say 2,500 shapes that they have in the computer, and from that they can make almost everything they need to do an episode, which is why they can turn them around so quickly. King of the Hill uh, is actually still drawn by hand. King of the Hill is not done by a computer. It's not CGI. King of the Hill is actually hand-drawn cell animation. And so what this story effectively means is that because King of the Hill is drawn by hand, the turnaround time is like nine months. And it takes forever to get an episode done. So even if they cancel it today, which it sounds like they're doing, mm-hmm. it's going to be nine months before the, this season's episodes are even done, and then another season to burn them off. So they're canceling it, but it's still going to be around for a while. And I mean, they've got 13 you know, seasons. It's not like you're going to be short on King of the Hill. And it's in constant reruns everywhere. So it is a truly great program. I would say that King of the Hill is one of the great classic American sitcoms. Meanwhile, the cast of NBC's Heroes is used to shakeups on the small screen, but now it's dealing with shakeups off screen as well. Two key producers on the Superhuman Action series have been fired, leaving cast and crew in a state of shock. Co-executive producer Joseph Loeb and Jesse Alexander were in charge of Heroes day-to-day production. Loeb and Alexander were excused from the show over creative differences to spend more time with their family. A source added that NBC is not happy with the current status of the show. There had to be a visual and tangible change in the course of action. Heroes has seen a significant drop in ratings since the show's return to NBC's lineup this season, averaging about 9 million viewers compared to more more than 11 million last year. The series airs tonight on NBC. Can I tell you, that's another series, and it's on NBC, so I don't need to feel yes. bad about saying this. That's another series. I'm glad I, I, I just never started watching it, because apparently it just cratered. Everybody I know who watches Heroes says the same thing, that it started off strong, wobbled a little bit at the beginning, found its footing, and now just it flat out sucks. Yeah, I never watched anything past the first season. Like, the first season was good, but it was just a little too... It was a little too much to me. It was a little too over the top. Yeah, I mean, well, it's because... A little too cheese ball, a little too, um, like, with the, with the music, like, emphasizing how important these poignant moments are with their special powers. I heard that, yeah. you know, that it was, that's the thing. I heard heavy-handed used a lot. Heavy-handed, that is exactly the right And term. you can be heavy-handed if you're an exceptionally good writer. And even an exceptionally good writer can't get away with it all the time. I mean, even as you know, much as I love Aaron Sorkin, Aaron Sorkin certainly has his moments where you just are kind of going, come on, <laughs> for the love of... Fine, I understand. It's like, speaking of heavy-handed, it's like, um... It's like it... Bless you. So I was trying to get to my microphone on Was that the button that makes the cough louder? <laughs> no, that was a sneeze, and I was trying to cover my Where's the cough reason? amplify button? <laughs> Matt, can you crank that up just a little bit? It was especially funny in here, because I saw... 
realize, here's what I saw from my vantage point just now when you coughed or sneezed. Was it a cough or a sneeze? It was a sneeze, but then I kind of squished my nose at last minute, so I was trying to get away from the microphone while reaching the It was a queeze. I can't see. (laughs) That sounds sounds awful. Sarah, don't queeze. (laughs) It's disgusting. From here, I can't see the button. I can only see you reaching for it. So from my vantage point just now, here's what it looked like. Sarah got that look on her face like, I'm about to sneeze. You reached over. And I can't actually see the button, so but you made the gesture of hitting the button, and then it was like, <laughs> which is hilarious because it was as though you'd hit some button that actually like increases the <laughs> volume. Um, anyway, um, anyway, heavy-handed, blah 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 blah. I was going to make a Spike Lee reference, but it doesn't matter. It, the point is, if you're heavy-handed in your writing, you got to be real good, otherwise it's just gonna, it's going to turn on you, and it's going to start just hitting the, it's going to start hitting the floor like a wet matzo ball, and apparently that's what Heroes has done. So. That is one of those things, not unlike Lost, that I decided early on I was just going to wait it out. I was going to wait for the entire series to be done and then canvas my friends and go, hey, look, you've seen the entire series. Worth watching or not? Still waiting on that uh, for Lost. As far as Heroes, uh, apparently the uh, general consensus is uh, is no. Lost, my no interest is that. a bit waning on it, but I think it's just because there's such big gaps. Well, that's a- and, and all, the whole like flash forward thing, like it was a neat premise, but yeah, Lost is kind of wearing on me a little bit. Well, too. don't you feel like uh, we're at a certain point... In American media and entertainment, you know, we, you know, we obviously, um, you know, we work in, in the media, although it's in a different, you know, even within radio, what we do is a little bit different than I think a lot of radio stations. You know, we're not a music station. We're not formatted in that way. But don't you think we're, we're getting to the point where television networks and executives are no longer going to be able to just count on the fact that viewers will come back after taking, I don't know, like 11 months off, you know? Th- th- that's th- true. There are millions of channels there. I mean, that's the thing. It's like That's what killed The Sopranos, I think, is The Sopranos have taken a year and a half. I think at one point The Sopranos took two years between seasons. And, I mean, every time they do that, you're just thinking, like, uh, okay, you, you know, if you take six months, I understand. Taking six months is filming the next season. Uh, taking two years... That's just effing off uh, to Maui, you know, uh, with your uh, with your girlfriend for a while and not caring about what the audience is doing. So I don't think audiences are going to tolerate that for too much longer. They're going to have to start cranking up their turnaround time, or we're just going to start watching something else. Lost has already been replaced in, uh, for me by Mad Men. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, just, now I'm not. I don't even think about Lost anymore. There, I think the time is drawing very, very near when they're not going to be able to get away with that anymore. Not Mad Men is my new boyfriend. That's what. I, that's what. I, oh, by the way, speaking of Mad Men and television shows. And creative people being fired. Who'd you say the uh, writers from Heroes got fired? Yes. I can tie all this together with two small stories. One, did you see that thing, Tim? Did I send you that story? Oh, that yeah, I posted it on my webpage. Matthew, well, there's that Matthew Weiner. Matthew Weiner. Who is the creator and showrunner and mastermind of Mad Men, may not be back for the third season. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Because he's asking for a bunch of money, and AMC apparently responded by um, putting out essentially an open letter saying, Hey, are you a writer? Would you like to write for Mad Men? Would you like to replace Matthew? If interested, contact a- you know contact AMC at P.O. Box. So I guess they, among them Aaron Sorkin, incidentally, uh, they've just been, I think, beating the bushes looking for somebody that could take over Mad Men from Matthew Weiner, who has apparently asked for so much money they don't want to pay it. I'm assuming he'll be back. I mean, I'm figuring what will happen is he's asked for $10 million, they'll say two, and they'll settle at four and a half, and then he'll come back for season three. I cannot imagine even as badly run as many networks and studios are, that they would let the guy who runs Mad Men away, you know, just get away from that. I can't imagine they'd let him walk. No. So, you know, we'll see. But part and parcel of that, John Hamm, who plays Don Draper on Mad Men, did you see that he may be joining the cast of 30 Rock? 
I heard oh, that. I saw that. Yeah. As, uh, Maybe as Tina Fey's boyfriend. Liz Lemon's boyfriend. So, oh, my head would explode. It's the best of, all, uh, best of all worlds coming together. Here's Tim Riley. Hostess Twinkies are becoming the latest product remade and repackaged into a 100-calorie snack pack. A product some say could do well, given that more people are packing their own lunches in this slumping economy. Now, the maker of the golden yellow cream-filled cake is launching Twinkie Bites nationwide in stores today. <laughs> Sign me up. Twinkie Bites. They're also introducing snack packs featuring strawberry cupcakes. As it extends the 100-calorie pack line, originally aimed at women who want to snack more sensibly. Mm-hmm. How do we feel about the hostess treats, Sarah? Mm, I don't really eat them. Are, are Twinkies Hostess? Yes. Yes, they are. Yeah, I don't really eat them. I, I, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you, Tim, but of course you don't eat anything from Hostess. No, no. I bet you like Ding Dongs. I used to eat Devil Dogs, which are the East Coast. I'm just back on Sarah saying I like Ding Dongs, uh, which is sort of like Tim saying you queezed. <laughs> yeah, uh, that is so awkward. That is the most horrible word. Um, I don't really care for Hostess things at this point in my life. There was a time when I ca- when I liked those cupcakes with the weird plasticky chocolate icing. Mm-hmm. Uh, which didn't really taste like chocolate. No, those are just the cupcakes. Uh, the ones with the white swirl on the top. Well, and cupcakes. Weird plastic hard top. Cupcakes and ding dongs both have basically a cupcake. A ding dong is a cupcake that has a full chocolate shell around it. It's like you took a, a a cupcake and instead of just putting icing on top, if you took a cupcake and dipped it all the way around with icing, that's a ding dong. It's American ingenuity mm. at its best. It really is. Well, I mean, because Hostess... I remember eating the tops off of those plastic cupcakes. They're really... See, that's the crunchy, weird magic shell icing is what's good about those. I might not enjoy it now, but uh, that really is American ingenuity at its finest. Mm-hmm. It is because Hostess has, has taken basically the same three stock ingredients and repackaged them in about a hundred different ways. Mm-hmm. No other country in history has done anything like no, that. No, I mean, when, when you think about it, what is the difference between uh, between a cupcake and a ding-dong and a ho-ho and a zinger? They're all the same. They're all the same. And even within the Hostess line, there's cupcakes and Twinkies and chocodiles, I think, which are all basically the same. I mean, even between Twinkies and cupcakes, I mean, one is sort of vaguely like devil's food and one is vaguely like angel food, but not really. Is this when you're going to pull out a list of your top ten favorite Hostess products? Am I being made the object of fun? This is a fun show. Is that yet another uh, jar of applesauce? I'm on an applesauce kick. That's fine. Applesauce is good for you. No, it it is. I'm just, it's, you're you're on a little bit of a jag right now. I know. I can't help, like, that's what I'll do is that I'll just eat something over and over and over again, and then I'll never eat it again. I have to say, here's the other thing. Every time I look at that, I have to realign my thinking because it looks for all the world like you're eating a can of sauerkraut. (laughs) (laughs) Um... One final thing about Hostess. I was actually talking to somebody about they this the other day. They sell 500 million Twinkies a year. 500? Was that in America wow. or is that worldwide? That's got to be worldwide. It, it doesn't say. It is interesting that they're that they're uh, trying to package some. Is this like a calorie control Hostess serving? Is yes, that the it deal? Yes, because they, Hostess changed all their cakes to 100 calories right. last year, except for the Twinkie. Because, well, they're afraid of what's going to happen. Well, the interesting thing about that is is they don't actually bother, and nor should they. It's America. It's free enterprise. They don't bother to make anything healthier. What they do is they just put it in a smaller package. So Everything's in a smaller package. I noticed that with dime treats in the past week. Right, right. But they, they shrink them down to like a third of what they were before. And they do this great little marketing trick, though, and I really do admire this sort of thing when it's done well. Rather than just saying, look, we're charging you the same, but we're going to give you 40% less. Have a good day. Rather than doing that, they package it as being a portion or calorie-controlled serving. In other words, you'll go pick up your, uh, you know, whatever your brand of uh, chocolate chip cookie is, like Chips Ahoy, I think, does this. And it says, now, calorie control, 100-calorie serving. 
And so they have actually taken a negative, which is they're charging you the same for, for a smaller amount, and they've made it a positive by making you think, hey, no, 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 it's healthy. It's only 100 calories. Well, it's cause they, That's because genius. they cut the number of cookies in We're, half. It's like water-saving toilet tanks. They don't do the job like the old no. ones did. No, they don't. It's yeah. the same thing. I have one of those. It's annoying. Mm-hmm. I was actually talking to somebody about Hostess stuff the other day. I think it might have been Eric, the vending machine guy, who was in filling stuff up. And I was actually, here's a weird thing. I was apologizing to Eric, the vending machine guy, for the fact that we are eating a little healthier now. And I sort of felt bad because he is an American. He's a capitalist. He's a businessman trying to put food on his family and so forth. And yet I know that Sarah, for example, is off the Easy Mac. Yes, still? I've been a month clean. Good for you. Thanks. I have quit eating um, those Ruger sugar wafer things because I had a real problem with those. I quit eating the Chex Mix. See above statement. And so, you know, it's not like I become a health food fanatic. I'm trying not to eat as much junk food. And I kind of felt bad. And I was like, hey, man, I'm I'm sorry. I know we're not buying as much stuff. I don't mean to take money out of your pocket. And he goes, oh, no, no. He's like, somebody picked up the slack. And he pointed at the bottom row, which is the hostess row. And he goes, there's somebody that comes and cleans out this entire row. It's like, I think it's probably just one or two people. But this entire hostess row is now gone every time I come back. So somebody in the building has knowingly or unknowingly uh, picked up all of our, uh, our junk food snack by just eating all of the hostess stuff. And he and I got to talking for a second about do you remember early in, in your radio career? I don't know. I don't know when you started. When were you? Did you become a vegan early on? Yeah, I pretty much always have been. So when you did you ever eat really badly? I don't mean in small amounts, but did you ever eat really bad for you food when you were coming up in radio as top a young ramen? man? See, top ramen is probably a universal thing. Yeah. Um, I remember though. It's been around since the days of the caveman. It really is one of our. It really is one of our staple foods. Um, I remember early on in my radio career, and it's one of those things you look back on now, and you just, it makes you a little sick just to think about it, and you wonder how it is that you're still alive. You wonder how it is you made it through this without dying or keeling over. I remember going to work on, like, my overnight or my early morning shifts when I was, like, a board op or maybe, like, a DJ early on, like a, an oldies DJ, and I would stop at the convenience store. I don't know if it was a 7-Eleven or whatever. I would stop at, like, the Mini Mart, and I here's, this would be my breakfast. This is so disgusting. I would stop, and my breakfast would be, I would just buy a full box of 12 of those Hostess Old Fashioned Cake Donuts. And I would just go to work, and I would sit there playing, like, Four Tops records, hating my life, and I would eat an entire box of 12 Hostess Old Fashioned Donuts. That sugar sticks to your clothes, doesn't it? People people always buy them when they're wearing black, and they're covered with this donut grease all day. It sticks to your it sticks to your clothes, your stomach, your intestinal lining, your brain. I think your what liver. What is that stuff really? I don't know. I mean, it's got to be bad for you. I, it's amazing. I didn't weigh three hundred pounds. I mean, really. And I do recognize the fact that I have a little bit of a fast metabolism. But Jesus, it was just like shoveling lard into my body and just asking my you know my the poor assembly line that is my metabolism to keep up. God, do you ever just look back and you feel bad? You feel sorry for your body, for how you treated it, and you want to apologize? Yeah. Yeah. And you want to sit down like you're making it. You want to sit down like it's the fourth step on the 12-step AA program and make amends with your body? Look, I'm sorry. I know there were times when I thought that drinking three gallons of vodka and five pounds of trail mix was a perfectly acceptable way to live. I know now that that's not true. That's how I feel about all the junk food I ate growing up. I really don't want to sit down and have a heart-to-heart with my intestinal uh, system and my other organs and just go, um, look, I uh, I know there were times I was basically eating a tin of Crisco every night, and I uh, just want to let you know I'm sorry about that, and I'm going to try to be better going forward. Jesus. All right, here's Tim Riley. Here's another axe attack story, our second today. This one comes from Florida. 
From where, Tim? Florida. Oh. From Florida. where, Tim? After all that trouble, it's only three sentences. A crew member on a Honduran ship, not an Honduran ship, back in uh, Fort Pierce, has been charged with attacking his crew with an axe. Fort Pierce police say William Bodden faces charges of aggravated battery over the weekend attack aboard the Southern Relentless. Police say Bodden and the victim got into a fight. Bodden allegedly grabbed the axe and hit the man in the head with the flat side before the others wrestled it away. The victim is bleeding profusely from the head and has two black eyes, but declined medical attention. Two things. One, I like the idea of a guy being attacked uh, by an axe-wielding maniac on a ship called the Relentless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and B, little Judd Nelson there, and B... Decline medical attention after getting his head Decline medical I attention. Two black eyes. And... He's a real sailor. How do you get black eyes if you're being hit with an axe? And also... The guy opted to hit him with the blunt side of the axe. So my question is, what is the flow chart on the guy's head? He has decided. He's already decided within well, himself. Well, you know the axe is dull. So he would be hitting us out. Is that it? I mean, I would imagine so if I was the captain. Once you've made the decision to hit a guy with an axe, F, do you care what side it is? Hit him with the sharp side. I mean, just be a man. Maybe he requested <laughs> to be hit with that. Go all the way with it. Oh, man. Have I mentioned that I'm just full of energy and yet exhausted? Yes. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. We'll do a couple calls, then we'll break. What's up? Hey, Rick, just want to add a little fuel to the fire out in Hillsboro. It's in O'Reilly's neighborhood. It's 219 at the Costco at the gas station. 219, Tim. 219. I hate going down in that direction. You know, people can be bankrupt, but there's still piles of cars going in and out of Osco <laughs> all hours of the day and night. Yep. People can't wait to get there and get home with the things they bought. You know why, Tim? Because they are planning for the coming zombie apocalypse. All right. Hello. Uh, yeah, what, do you have anything else, sir? Uh, one more thing. Actually, two more things. Susie Hughes was my favorite growing up hostess, and I voted for Obama. Best show ever. All right, thank you. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. 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 Yeah, I I, I hate to, to do this, but I've got a correction for Tim. I was wrong. No. Yeah, I, I know, Tim, you're always right. The earth is revolving backward on its axis, sir. After yeah, all the I research I do on this program, the, I am being told that I am wrong. After the yeah. many, many, many seconds of preparation we put into stories like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I blame Sarah Palin. But, all right. Okay. Know, Go but, ahead. Uh, on your story on Heroes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Heroes is not on TV tonight. Let's see. Do you watch the show? I do. All right. Do you agree that it's uh, become the suck? I won't go that far, but I will say that it, I'll just put it this way. At the end of every episode this season, my head hurts. Okay. They're, they're, trying, they're, they're trying to do too much in, in every episode this season. Is Kristen Bell's character as annoying as I would picture it to be? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. All right. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Yep. All right. I thought I was wrong about something important. No. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, well, we should take a break. We'll get caught up. Don't forget, coming up at 1 o'clock, K2's Carl Click. We will talk to Ali Velshi, senior uh, business correspondent from CNN and host, uh, host of CNN's Your Money. Uh, Jesus, what else? Uh, just a billion election stories coming up. We'll do the exit poll, all that. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. We return around the corner. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 
503-733-2970. Don't, come, uh, don't forget, coming up about 15 minutes from now, we'll talk to CNN senior business correspondent and host of Your Money, Ali Velshi, who dresses fantastically, by the way. I don't know if he picks out his own ties or he's got, if he has a girl for that, uh, but uh, that guy dresses like nobody's business. Him and Roland Martin, man, those are the two best-dressed guys on that network. Uh, let's see, a couple other things. Well, I'm jealous. I'm going to have to outdo them tomorrow night. That's all there is. I have no doubt that you will, Tim. Uh, let's see. And then uh, K2's Carl Click. Uh, Are you know, joining us tomorrow, well. Rick? You know, I was actually kind of wondering about that. I, I was sort of agonizing about what to wear. I think I'm going to wear a dress. Um, I don't think I'm going to. I mean, don't I. Don't wear a dress. Don't wear a dress? Oh, no. What? Well, I was thinking Richie was in the room. Oh. What? <laughs> Never mind. Don't continue. He's telling you to not wear a dress. Loud noises. Uh, anywho. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, kind of. I think I might do my sort of business casual thing. I just. Uh, see, I don't really know that I should dress up and really be over the top about it. I don't know. What do you nah. think? I'm sort of... I've just been watching too much Mad Men, so I want to whip out one of my vintage dresses. See, and I don't... Lipstick. And that, you, that's just why. I just kind of wanted an excuse to dress up. You don't up. look good dressed up. <laughs> me no talk pretty. What are you talking to, Rick or me? I can, uh, Rick Emerson. Ooh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on here? Um, I can't have nice things, apparently. <laughs> no, you look better dressed casually. You look uncomfortable dressed formally. Well, it, it can be said that it is an unnatural look for me. See, that's what I'm saying. Uh, I, you know, I think, uh, for example, there's that photo I of know, me. I know, I totally agree with that mm-hmm. assessment. There's that photo of me at Aaron's wedding where I have the suit on, which sort of works, but again, only because it was sort of an over-the-top day. I'm standing next to Boba Fett. Um, the suit and tie thing doesn't work for me. And, you know, it's the, you want to think about Here's something ludicrous, Tim. Back uh, in the 90s, there was a couple occasions... A couple of occasions, long story, where I, I had to actually be suit and tie guy and go to a meeting, but I still had the really long hair. That looks even worse, of course. Guy, long hair, trying to do the suit and tie. Yes. But even now, it just doesn't, I don't know why, it doesn't really work for me. Do you feel, let me ask you this, Jim. Yeah, yeah. When you dress up too much, you look like a dictator from some corrupt Latin American country for some reason. It, it just isn't a comfortable look for you. That's the weirdest thing you've ever said. I'm not saying it's incorrect, I just never would have... If you had given me infinite time to think of how you might describe me when I'm dressed up, I would never have come up with dictator from corrupt Latin American country. Well, you know, when we prop up these dictators and then we dress them up and it looks like they're not really comfortable. So like a Daniel Ortega thing going yeah. on. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, anywho. Well, um, I, I meant it in the best possible manner. Who's that, uh, who's that guy? Who's that, uh, who's that drug dealer that, uh, what's his name, portrayed on Entourage? Oh. Vincent Chase Perkier. What is his name? I can't, can't remember. I want to say Juan Perón, but that's wrong. Um, the oh, the um, Passion Project. What is it? He was Medellin, the star of Medellin. Yes. You know what I'm talking about. Yes, maybe, I sh- maybe I should go with him. So, but do, let me ask you this, Tim. You're a stylish man. Do you do you believe that maybe it's that I'm simply not picking the right quote dress clothes end quote? No, it's it's the fact that you're just not comfortable. Dressing in ultra formal wear. So do you believe you don't wear it on a regular basis? Therefore, you feel out of place wearing it. Do you believe, Tim? Is it your assessment that the reason I don't really look good in formal wear? I didn't say you don't look good. I say you look uncomfortable. Well, you know what I mean. Are you saying that perhaps it doesn't really work for me, but that it's it's basically all in my head that it doesn't work for me because I look uncomfortable, and so. The fact that I am uneasy with it is visible, and therefore the look does not work. Correct. You need to adapt an attitude depending on what you're wearing. I need to act as if, Tim. Right. The clothes make the man, so I need to be that man. You can't have a T-shirt attitude while you're wearing a suit. 
I think you should wear that gray shirt that we bought that you never wear. All right. Uh, the skull thing? Yeah. Yes. Okay, well, here's... You should totally wear that tomorrow. I'm sure this is really fascinating for the audience, but uh, we're going to talk about it anyway. <laughs> so two things. One, you totally need to do a Tim Riley's uh, Guide to Life, Tim, because that thing you just said... You can't have a T-shirt attitude while you're wearing. What is it? You can't have a T-shirt attitude and a formal wear look. It was That's very done, Drake. It was, but it was, it was great. It was very much a Sinatra, the way you wear your hat kind of a thing. Just exactly. Now. There needs to be a new segment on the show, Tim Riley's Guide to Life, where Tim tells, uh, you know, it tells men and women how to lead a stylish existence. Well, I really can't do that because I don't know other people that well. I, I I can do it for you because I work with you every day. All right. And your advice to me would just be to stay home or have somebody more attractive go and pretend to be me. No, you you do fine. Uh-huh. Anywho, so I will not be wearing formal well tomorrow, but I have been sort of agonizing about it. You know, I don't have a T-shirt or whatever. So you're saying that gray shirt with the skull? Yes, I really like the one the wings on the back. Here's the only reason that I might not wear it, because I had thought about it. You know, the last time I wore that was the last Willamette event I went to. So the people at the Willamette are going to think I only own one shirt. Oh, they won't remember. You sure? I'm absolutely positive. Okay. Listeners remember things, though. I I wore the same tie to two functions twice, and listeners kept us. You only own one tie, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Who's going to remember that? No, I like the gray one. I think that shirt, yeah, that's a special shirt. I think you should totally wear that. All right. All right. And then with the black underneath it or white? With the black. Black underneath it. Yeah. All right. I think I'm going to wear my blue and white uh, check dress. Shucks or dress shoes? Chucks. All right. Dark jeans? Yes. Okay. okay. Wasn't that do exciting? We just do this on the air. This is Now people know exactly what it's like before a listener party. This is exactly how we talk, except for not with microphones yeah. in our faces. All right. Well, you know, we're going to be seeing that. So it's all decided. It's a little bit of a tease. Uh, you know, it gives them something to look forward to tomorrow. Well, everyone's looking forward to seeing your shirt. Yes. Uh, the skull wins. <laughs> here's Tim Riley. All right. So let's do some election news, shall we? Excellent. Is my pot up? Mm-hmm. I've been working on Since Batman wasn't on last night, I spent my whole night... Editing election music. You weren't worrying about Heroes, Tim, and what night it airs? No, that's tonight. Can't believe what I'm here. By the way, it's Pablo Escobar. All right. Time for some election news. This is the first Academy Award for Will Smith, previously nominated for Six Degrees of Separation. So there's a last-minute surge of ballots expected to arrive at the Oregon election headquarters today and tomorrow. Now, 37% of registered voters had turned in their ballots as of Thursday. Four years ago in a presidential election year, 45% had turned in ballots at the same point in the voting cycle. The Secretary of State's office says there may be a number of factors at work. Four years ago, the presidential race was considered tighter in Oregon, and this year, voters have a number of initiatives to sort out thanks to that slimy Bill Sizemore. Can I tell you, by the way, speaking of the slimy Bill Sizemore, first of all, never, I don't think he's ever done anything to me, or has he? Has Bill Sizemore done anything to me? Oh, he does me? things and you don't even know it. Did he rape my childhood? Bill Sizemore. Um, so it's funny you should say Bill Sizemore, Tim. Keep in mind, I'm taking no stance on these issues. Uh, that'll come later. I'm just saying, I made a note to myself. I heard, um, I heard somebody talking about Bill Sizemore today and some ballot measure or an initiative. Well, he's, he's put like a half dozen, if not more of them on there. All right, measures and initiatives the same thing. Kind of. Or whatever. Not some stuff. We don't want to confuse some people. Ballot crap. Yeah. So apparently he is advocating, or he's put some ballot crap uh, on the agenda this year. Well, it's confusing because yes means no and no means yes. Just like in California. Yes. And so I heard no. And so I heard some people uh, talking about this, and they said, well, you know who's behind that one is that Bill Sizemore. You know, you know, he was accused of racketeering uh, or whatever. This is the person. I'm not. This is just the person saying this. I'm passing it along. 
I don't even know if it's true. You probably heard it on the commercial. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I think it might have. I think it was in the hallway, but it might have been somebody repeating something from that. But anyway, but, but, but this person was saying, well, you know that Bill Sizemore, he did that. You know that I heard that he's mixed up with the racketeering, and they just kept saying like they weren't even really talking about the measure or what it was about. They just kept saying blah blah blah. Bill Sizemore, blah blah blah. Bill Sizemore. And you know what I realized? Bill Sizemore using his name right now. It is sort of the inverse of that from producer Michael Bay. You know, when they try to, when there's some guy who is sort of behind a movie, probably didn't direct it, but, you know, he produced it, or maybe he was the executive producer or, or whatever. So they'll say, from executive producer, Steven Spielberg, a world beyond, and then it's like some crap uh, directed by, uh, you know, like by Paul W.S. Anderson or something. But they'll use the, you know, produced by Steven Spielberg to get you in. The supported by Bill Sizemore is the inverse of that. That is the to keep people away from the theaters, or in this case, the ballot thing. All right, so I'm glad you mentioned that. All right, mm -hmm. it's Tim Riley. Cindy McCain says they've seen an enormous surge of supporters at her husband's campaign stops, which has given them confidence with their White House win. This race has ignited, and clearly people are listening and paying attention. The early voting is at record highs, and, you know, this is a very interesting race, and people are very involved. Who is this? Cindy McCain. Oh, here's a question about Cindy McCain. Just like lady with all her hair pulled back. <laughs> Uh, my question about Cindy McCain is this. She's, she is a good public speaker. Mm -hmm. uh, have you ever seen her give any speeches? Yes. She's not bad at all. Well, uh, she, she, the one she did at the convention was very good. Yeah. I, she is a very, I would say, a gifted public speaker and a good, uh, you know, she, you know, she, uh, she is sort of phonogenic, you know, as much as you can be when you don't have any skin. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, she looks good. She talks well. She really conveys her messages powerfully. So my question to you, Tim, is... Why don't they have her out separate from John McCain getting twice the states covered? You know what I mean? I mean, the Obama campaign, they got Obama. They got Michelle Obama, who's out speaking, uh, you know, on her own. They got Biden out speaking. Uh, you know, they've got a bunch of people who are sort of affiliated with the campaign. McCain has got, he's like him and Joe the plumber. That's it. So why don't they have Cindy McCain? It's too late now, I suppose. But why don't they have Cindy McCain out there? giving her own separate speeches and appearances, they could have covered double the ground in all this time. It could be that she's charging too much. Maybe. She's angry. She's like Sarah Palin. She's just angry. She's already planning to dump John McCain, uh, you know, like the day after tomorrow. She's angling for speaking gigs. All right. So John McCain got lots of laughs during the final oh, weekend of the 2008 presidential race, appearing on Saturday Night Live. Who watched that? Nobody. I did. Oh, it was oh. awful. It's cringy. He joked about his new strategy to win the election. If that doesn't work... I go to the double maverick. That's where I go totally berserker and just freak everybody out. Even the regular mavericks. That doesn't sound like the best strategy. It isn't. We were uh, talking about that in the hallway this morning. We were gathering around the water cooler discussing the issues of the day. And we were talking about John McCain, and he just looked so uncomfortable. Uh, clearly, he's a guy who's just not very funny. Doesn't matter. You know, everybody has to be funny. And he is, unlike, I would say... Sarah Palin, or certainly Barack Obama, John McCain is not a performer. Uh, you know, he, he is, God help him, a politician and, you know, and a veteran and all that stuff, but he's not a performer. You see Barack Obama get on camera. You see Sarah Palin get on camera. They are performers. They know how to play to the crowd. They know how to be charming and funny and charismatic. And whatever anybody thinks about Sarah Palin, she is charismatic. There's just, you know, sometimes it's a sort of horrible negative charisma, depending on who you are. But she has, she has a certain panache to her. And uh, and McCain just doesn't. He's just like a piece of personality-wise. He's like this piece of gristle. There's just no flair on that guy at all. He's just some old piece of beef jerky that's been left on the dashboard a little bit too long. 
That's the sort of insightful commentary, by the way, you'll be hearing tomorrow during Rick Emerson's political party, beginning at 7 p.m. But he just has no performer's zeal. There's no zest to him. There's no zing. He does not have what Stan Freeberg once called the gazinkus, which is just like the kind of magical something. And so he just seemed very awkward and uncomfortable. And you have felt bad for him because you got the feeling that, you know, somebody put him on camera. Somebody took him off of the camera. Somebody put him in the dressing room. Somebody took him home afterward. He didn't really know where he was. Um, the Affleck as Oberman thing was pretty good, though. Um, that was actually worth the price of admission right there. So, all right, here's Tim Riley. He talks about his sad grandpa approach to winning the election. That's where I get on TV and go, come on, Obama's going to have plenty of chances to be president. It's my turn. Doesn't it seem like with a lot of his humor on, on SNL this weekend, he's kind of just throwing in the towel? I mean, did you get that sense when you were watching it? That it's a lot of... He, so much of that comedy on SNL this weekend was just predicated on the fact that, like, ah, look, we know I'm not going to win. Honestly, I thought that he did a really good job. And Storm and I were talking about that last night, and it, it freaked both of us out because we both thought that he did so Really? Well. Yeah. Well, see, that's interesting because... We, I, yeah, we had both had a completely different take because we were, we were talking about how we both seen it, and she's just like, yep, he's good. You know, he, was, he did really well on it. And so I maybe I'm thing. projecting no, my was, read on it. I was depressed after I saw it because I thought that he... It was, it was hilarious. It was dead on, and he kind of made it... And he, he was... Good in the way when he was making fun of Obama, like it seemed right. like he made good points, and like you know Tina Fey, of course, was flawless as right. Palin. That was kind of funny when she and there was a part when she's like off to the side of the stage because she was going rogue, right, right, and that right. was that was funny. And the way that McCain took that too, I don't know, he just seemed like a good sport about everything. Well, I think maybe I, I don't know. It, it, it's it's hard to tell from one day to the other what John McCain is really like, and I think we've this is a thing that we've come back to again and again that it does seem like there are multiple John McCains. There was the John McCain that. You know, served in Vietnam. And there was the John McCain that campaigned in 2000. And there was the John McCain who pushed through McCain-Feingold, which was a bad joke, by the way, that got way too big of a response. That was some courtesy laughter when he was doing the, I'm offering you McCain-Feingold, which is not really that funny. But I think the audience had been told, look, he's old. Don't make him cry. And so they just had to, they had to laugh. And then there's the John McCain who's been running this year, and they all seem like different people. It does seem like they're the, it's like the five faces of John, uh, you know, over the last decade or so. Anyway. Uh, by the way, you're listening to KCMD Portland. Uh, we'll talk to uh, CNN uh, senior business correspondent Ali Belshi here in just a short while. He's the host of Your Money. Later on, Carl Click from K2 and more. Here's Tim Riley. Looks like Sarah Palin got punked over the weekend by a zany comedy duo on the radio in uh, Montreal called the Mask Avengers. And they call her using a heavy over-the-top French accent to impersonate French President Nicolas Sarkozy invited Palin to take him on a fishing trip by helicopter. Then in French, he said the two could go kill baby seals, to which Palin replied, that would be fun. Oh, very good. We should go hunting together. Exactly. We could go try hunting by helicopter like uh, you did. I never did that. <laughs> like we see in French, on pourrait tuer des bébés phoques aussi. Well, I think we could have a lot of fun together as we're getting work done. We can, we can kill two birds with one stone that way. I just love killing those animals. Mm-mm. Take away life. That is so fun. <laughs> I'd really love to go as long as we don't bring a Vice President Cheney. <laughs> no, I'll be a careful shot. Yes. Who does not realize they're talking to a DJ at that moment? Have you... The whole thing, it's like five, yeah. she's yeah. on for five minutes. About it, five minutes. I got it on my website at RileyLive.com. It's funny. I, I had read about that, but I hadn't actually heard it. I saw the story. I hadn't heard any of the audio. I mean, congrats, first of all, big congratulations to them. I mean, well done. Um, it's like those guys, there's those DJs in Florida that got Fidel Castro on the phone, oh, yeah. I think, a few years yeah. ago. So, I mean, you know, well done getting Sarah Palin. But seriously, five seconds into that, how do you not know that's a DJ? I mean, 
I mean, that's, that's... Have you heard the whole train of events, like, sequence of events to no. where they get her on the phone? No. Like, through her assistant and stuff, and he's just like, I am the president of France. <laughs> it is so ridiculous. Yeah, the legacy of Borat, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's uh, 503-733-2970 here in just a uh, skosh. Uh, Richie, can you check the warm line, please? That'll be uh, ever so fantastic if you could do that. We'll do one more quick one here. The Mask Avengers discuss Hustler's movie entitled Nayland Palin. Yeah. Right. I must say, Governor Palin, I love the documentary they made on your life. You know, uh, Hustler's Nayland Palin? Oh, good. Thank you. Yes. That's that was awkward. really edgy. <laughs> well, good. I really <laughs> loved you. And I, I, I must say something also, Governor. Well, then. You've got to wonder if anybody's even on the phone with her or in the room when she's doing these things. i got to tell you, I've been, I forget exactly who, I, I can't remember, I was talking to court about this the other day, um, that I did an interview with somebody, and I cannot for the life of me remember who it was. It was somebody who was in some sort of a film, and they were trying very hard to keep the ending a secret or whatever. But as we were setting up, we were doing the pre-interview. In other words, I was on the phone with the, with the PR person. I wish I could remember the movie. It might have been for like... Whatever was the follow-up to The Sixth Sense? Was it Unbreakable? It might have been an interview I did for Unbreakable. Anyway, but I was doing the, the PR thing, and as I was talking to, uh, you know, I was talking to the PR person, and as we were setting up the interview, and as I was getting ready, I think we were pre-recording it, as we were getting ready to bring the guest on, the PR person flat out told me, they said, look, uh, I'm sitting in the room with a kill switch. If you start to get too much into the details of the film, if the conversation, if the interview goes in a way it's not supposed to, I'm going to end the interview. She's like, I got a big kill button in my hand. I will cut the interview if you stray off topic so like don't screw with me and i was like oh, okay no problem and you know she did it with everybody you gotta wonder how it is that sarah palin who is running for the second most powerful position in the free world doesn't have somebody in the room going ixnay another another wacky djs sarah so all right well and uneven it is uh 503 coming up here in just a, a bit we'll talk to k2's carl click as well as uh cna radio correspondent james roop who will join us from los angeles later on an exit poll uh and so forth let's welcome now to the rick emerson show cnn senior business correspondent uh ali velshu is the host of your money saturdays at 1 p.m and sundays at 3 p.m eastern time on cnn ali hello how are you sir I'm well. My pleasure to be with you. Uh, first of all, let me just say, um, I never feel uh, less stylish and more lame than I am when I'm watching either you or Roland Martin on CNN. <laughs> yeah, Roland gives me a run for my money. I have to ask you, really, I would be remiss if I did not make this inquiry, if you don't mind such a question. Do you, I, I, you, do you dress yourself? It sounds like an awkward question, but I mean, do you, what kind of hand do you have in your own wardrobe? Because it really is fantastic. Most mornings I dress myself. Uh, yeah, I'm actually, uh, yeah, I'm TN, and I, I, uh, I choose all of my own stuff, and once in a while when it gets a little wacky, uh, CNN invites me to uh, visit with a consultant who, uh, <laughs> who sort of recommends that six or seven stripes and patterns are not the best idea some days for TV. It's not that they mind it. It's just we just don't want the viewers getting so distracted that they're not listening to what I'm saying. So they sort of pull you aside and go, Alan, we have to have a talk about your polka That's dots. exactly how it goes. Um, I'm going to start by saying, um, I mentioned to my wife that, uh, that you were going to be on the program today, and my wife said something. She said, have him tell the Oprah thing. And I said, what is the Oprah thing? <laughs> and she said, apparently you were on Oprah sometime recently, and you were talking about yeah. the economy, and she said that you had boiled down the current economic situation to, she said you had boiled it down to its bare essence and had given the best 
overview of the current economic crisis that she had ever heard. It, 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 can you sort of give us the broad strokes of what that was? Yeah, that's very kind of her to say. Uh, you know, we've really found in the last few months people are really struggling with understanding what their role in this whole thing is. And basically, uh, what I was talking about was this whole credit freeze and how it related to individuals and the fact that, you know, we are so built on credit. And you can agree with the fact that we are or not, but it's, it's out there. And what happens is that individuals use credit to buy things uh, from the, the grocery store, for instance. But the grocery store is using credit to buy, let's say, the cereal that it's stocking on its shelves. Because when it gets paid by, by you, it then, you know, it's got terms from the bakery. And the bakery's using uh, credit to buy flour. So with this credit freeze, banks were not loaning money to each other because banks have to keep a certain amount of money in reserve every night. Uh, and they borrow from other banks. They weren't loaning to each other. Other investors weren't loaning to uh, companies, and companies borrow money for day-to-day expenditures because our existence on credit means that we don't always have to have cash in hand for what we're doing. So the grocery store knows it's going to get money from its customers, but it it doesn't always have that money on hand. So it needs 30-day or 60-day or 90-day loans. That was what had frozen up. The credit crisis had frozen the ability of your employer, possibly, to get money to be able to make payroll and buy its day-to-day goods. So that's why I was explaining that this wasn't a... uh, just a Wall Street problem. It, it, when credit dries up, we are so dependent on it that it affects every last one of us. And it is interesting to note that someone once told me that the marketing, that debt is actually the most marketed uh, product in America. The, the, you know, whether you want to call it credit or whether you want to call it debt, they're really uh, urging sure. people and marketing this to people, the idea that you can go out and live beyond your means, at least for That's a certain right. amount of time. That is a very aggressively marketed product. You don't really think of debt as being a product. It's also, by the way, the way our governments run and the way our companies run, and it's the way we run. I mean, we are our savings rate, which means the amount of money you're left with after you paid all your bills, is 1.3%. And that's not the lowest it's ever been, by the way. It was negative for a while. Back in 1980, we were banking more than 12% of what we made. This is an average, obviously. But, yeah, we are led to believe that that is the road to the American dream. And some of that debt's okay. I mean, if you have a mortgage and you can pay it and you're paying it off, that's, that's not terrible. If you're taking a loan to... Uh, get an education or educate your kids, that's an investment in something that's real, but it's the consumer debt. It's the stuff we use to just buy the stuff we want and don't necessarily need that has gotten us into this pickle. Talking to CNN senior business correspondent Ali Velshi, um, people, they use this phrase to say, well, it's the worst crisis since the Great Depression. Um, is that hyperbola or is it true and how do they even determine that? Well, both points, you've got something, you're onto something. First of all, I don't know if it's true, and I'm not sure it matters. I mean, if I told you it was the worst crisis since the Roman Empire, what difference does that make, really? We've actually measured this economy and the measures of it that touch you in your daily life back to 1980, so 28 years, because some of us remember what that was like. And if you measure it compared to, you know, the best it's been and the worst it's been since 1980, we're actually still at the very low end of a scale. We did this on cnnmoney.com, we, we charted it from zero to ten. We took five measures, the, uh, the job situation, personal income, personal savings, uh, home prices, and industrial production, which is a measure of everything we make. On those five scales, only unemployment is above five. 
everything else is below five, and, you know, high is good and low is bad. So it is really, it is a tough economy, but, you know, who cares if it's the worst since the Great Depression? That was a different world. Um, we, we, you know, we talk a lot about people who have 401Ks and uh, people who have uh, amassed either in the market or elsewhere a certain amount of savings, a certain amount of uh, of, of capital liquidity or reserve or whatever the you know word is, people who have got, who have had, had a little bit of financial success that they are seeing diminish or they're trying to protect it. But I hear from people who, you know, they will call or they email and they say, well, look, I, you know, I, I'm a temp or I'm an hourly employee somewhere. I don't have a 401k. Um, silly question. How is it affecting people who are maybe at a different place on the economic ladder right now, people who don't have some of those concerns that maybe you would have if you were heavily invested? Sure. Well, there are three areas of concern that would make you feel prosperous if they were doing well. One is your home value increases. Uh, we haven't seen that happen. We've seen a decrease in home value. Secondly, your 401K or your IRA increases. Well, if you're far from retirement, it doesn't really matter. You can make up that time. If you're more than 15 years away from retirement, uh, you ought not to even worry about that. But the third one is that your wage increases. And in a time when we've got job losses and we've got uh, high unemployment, there's there's not as much there's more competition for your job, so your wage doesn't tend to increase. So if you're a temp or you're younger, that's how it affects you. You could see yourself out of a job, or you could see yourself uh, without an increase that even keeps up with inflation. That's where it affects you. So those are you always have to look at your financial situation on those three fronts. Even if two of them don't really affect you, everybody has to work every day unless you're you know unless you're married rich kind of thing. Uh, we're talking to CNN chief business correspondent uh, Ali Velshi. As we as we sort of wrap this up, just a couple. Uh, Quick things. One is, um, is this GM? I know had been they've been looking for a bailout, looking for government assistance. But I guess we've heard now that's not going to go through. It's not going to take place. Is that is that the case? Well, it's not going to take place in the way they wanted it. They they were looking for some money that was going to help them out uh, with respect to a merger with Chrysler, which you know a lot of people think that would kind of like be two drunk people holding each other up. Um, that doesn't look like they're going to get money for that. There are other terms under which the government could loan the money, but it has more to do with uh, creating uh, more environmentally friendly cars. And we just heard from the auto worker, the auto companies, uh, and and the I mean October ended up being a brutal, brutal month for them. General Motors sales were down 47 percent. Uh, Ford was down 40% and Chrysler was down 35% compared to the same month a year ago. So these companies are in dire, dire trouble uh, and are going to have to come up with, uh, they may not even be able to come up with their own solution. They might, you know, GM might get bought out by somebody entirely. Hmm. All right, I want to thank you for spending a, a few minutes with us, really. Um, uh, Ali Velshi is chief business correspondent and, of course, uh, of course, can be seen on his show, Your Money, Saturdays at 1 p.m. and Sundays at 3 p.m. Those are Eastern times on CNN. Uh, and just as a viewer, I would like to say, and you know, the guy who's you know kind of in this economy along with everybody else, I would like to thank you for taking the sometimes uh, intangible or inexplicable and making it at least somewhat more understandable. So uh, well, thanks for letting me talk to uh, your audience. Not at all. Thank you, my friend. Thank you very much. Okay. There you go. That is Chief Business Correspondent Ali Belshi. I've go. seen wow. like ten minutes of one episode of Oprah, and it was the one with him on it. Boy, he was amazing. He's one of those uh, guys, though. I was going to tell him this, and we just, you know, I, I, want, I want to make sure we don't get behind. We got Carl Click. He's one of those guys that uh, someday when I have you know five billion dollars from the Powerball, I'm going to hire him and Susie Orman just to, to do my taxes. I'm not even going to. I'm not even going to, you know, like Susie. Who would you recommend? I'm just going to Susie. How much will it take? Look, five million. I'll cut you a check for five million right now. Come do my books. So, all right. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Let's do one more, and then Richie will welcome uh, K2's Carl Click uh, to the studio. Hello, Tim Riley. Well, hello. Hi. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. How are you? Oh, just fine. Thank well, that, you. Ali Velshi is just a torrent of words, though, isn't he? Uh-huh. 
Uh, people tell me that I speak with some rapidity. That guy's just a, that guy's just like an absolute fire hydrant of economic knowledge there. All right. So Hillary Clinton made her last campaign stop at the presidential race in the Pittsburgh era this morning. When they stopped by the Obama headquarters, Senator Clinton talked to campaign workers, made a few phone calls on behalf of Mr. Obama. She later urged her supporters to follow her lead on Election Day. This election is critical. It's going to determine the future of our country. Anybody who uh, voted for me and supported me has so much more in common with Senator Obama and his policies and uh, agenda for our nation. Did you get that there was a little bit of a quid pro quo, obviously, that, uh, I mean... It's interesting that once Bill Clinton, because he spoke at that, the, you know, live at that Obama thing, and then he and Obama, you know, appeared, I think, together, I think for the first time ever, uh, they appeared there last week. And it's interesting that once the Clintons came around and really went out, and specifically once Bill Clinton went out there on the trail and started stumping for Obama, then Obama started working in phrases like, you know, we all did really well under the Clinton years, which is a weird thing. You know, you know we went through this whole period where you didn't hear that. And we went through this, you know, this uh, everything is Bill Clinton's fault era in America, mm-hmm. where you didn't hear people really, at least on television, you heard folks say it, us, Tim, the common people, you heard us yeah. talking about it. But on TV, you never heard politicians or pundits talking about just how, like, things ruled under Bill Clinton. And even Obama himself didn't really say that. But I think there must have been a little understanding, like, look, you got to scratch my back, and then, I'll, and then I'll praise your administration. And so once Bill Clinton actually went out there and started speaking right there on the stage next to Obama... Suddenly, every you can't. I mean, you can't hear Obama talk for more than thirty seconds now without hearing him going. And under Bill Clinton, you were all taking home more money, you know. And I mean, it's, which is absolutely true. And it is really refreshing to hear somebody just step up and finally say somebody who's not Tom Likas step up and just say that. You know, like everybody was better off under Bill Clinton. That's just a fact. All right, hey Richie, can we uh, welcome Carl Click to the studio? That'll be great. I don't think I have. I was always, I was going to get some sort of a theme. Uh, for Carl Click, and I don't think I did. Uh, but because we're doing um, election stuff, I can actually do this. Let's let's bring up one of my Americana beds over here, and we'll uh, see how that sounds. Let's now welcome to the to the Rick Emerson show. No, this is like under siege three. This doesn't really work. Show one of your breaking news thunders that all kind of sound the same. Wait, let me try this one. How about this one? It sounds like impending doom. Doesn't it sound like you know he was left for dead? <laughs> but now he's president. How about this one? Let's try this instead. Uh, no, this is like this is like some thriller where a guy is uh, hijacked a truck full of chemicals. My God, there are kids on that bus. Well, whatever. Hello, Carl Flick from K2. How are you today? That should be our theme song in the morning. K2 morning news. Wake up. <laughs> Wake up or else. Isn't this, this is, I think, supposed to be election night music. At least that's what the production CD said. Gee, who are we voting on? <laughs> I think we're voting, uh... I could probably find something a little bit better here. I think we're voting for Vin Diesel. That's, uh, the feeling I'm getting there. All right, hello, Carl. Hey, how how's everybody? I am fantastic. Hi, Carl. Fantastic. Hi. Oh, Jesus. Are All you right. ready for the election, huh? Oh, yes. Uh, you know, yes and no. One I mean, more day of campaign air. I have to tell you that I'm already, I am preemptively a little sad about it. Uh, I just, I'm, man, I am going to miss this. I'm going to miss this when it's done. And I know everybody else, and I'm exhausted, I'm worn out, I think we all are. Um, you know, but that being said, it's like on, it is like on Christmas Eve, where you are excited, you're amped up, you're energetic, you're vibrating with enthusiasm because you want it to happen. But then, you know, and especially because, you know, I've always been really jealous of the Hanukkah things. They get the, you know, the eight nights. And I was like, you know, when I'm president someday, first of all, Christmas is going to be three days. 
Because as it stands now, you got the day before Christmas. Then you only get Christmas one day and it's just a blur of, of activity with friends and family and boozing and whatever. And before you know it, Christmas night is there and then it's done. And then it's the day after Christmas, kind of a letdown. Someday when I'm president, Christmas, three days long. One day to really, like, dive into it. One day, you know, the second day to relish it. Third day. Recovery. Yeah, sort of wrap things up. If you can do that, can you also keep the uh, presidential election from being 21 months long? That's the thing, right? I mean, it doesn't It doesn't even seem possible that we're finally here. Election Day's tomorrow on Wednesday. Like, nine people are going to announce they're running in 2012. Well, yeah. Uh, the, I mean, so it is, it is a little mind-boggling. Um, so we have a, a ton of other... Uh, election news we're going to get to today, but I know that you... See, you get it from a sort of an, inter- an interesting perspective, because you were kind of in the belly of the beast in some ways. I mean, way more so than even we are, because you're, you know, like an actual... You're, well, you're an actual news person. <laughs> what I found different this year is, uh, you know, electronic media has caught up with this now. Mm-hmm. We now have daily contact with our viewers via email. I mean, you know, we get dozens every day complaining, uh, you know, we're, we're on this side, we're on that side. Which I've never seen before. I mean, four years ago, we didn't quite have that access via email, but everybody's on it now. And uh, and that's, it's really interesting to see what people have to say. Because one person is absolutely sure we're for Obama, and the next email we get, it says, you're so pro-Republican McCain, it's ridiculous. Welcome to my world. <laughs> Uh, you should have seen the email the day after the uh, Palin-Biden can- uh, debate. Yeah, uh, yeah. When, when I said that I thought Sarah Palin won the debate, I mean, it was like I expected them to be rushing the building with like pitchforks and torches. So um, have you brought a sample of your, uh, oh, of your email? I've been collecting this just for you guys. Excellent. Uh, how about, I think it was the first, uh, uh, first Obama-McCain debate. Uh, just one here that says Obama was rude and interrupted like a spoiled brat, followed by uh, I felt that... Uh, Senator McCain was rude to Obama. He didn't even look at him. He came across as he was putting Obama down. Now, here's the question. Why do people send, no offense, why do people send you email or hate mail or whatever about about the debate or your coverage of the debate? Because they can't think that you're going to get on the air and go, no, 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 you know, uh, having read this uh, the, the email from some mouth breather in uh, Tualatin, uh, we now at K2 have to revise our reporting to report that, I mean, you know what I mean? Uh, we do have something called viewer's voice, where if people, if we get uh, a significant amount of email about an issue, we put it on the air, we read people's emails, we try to respond. When they ask us questions about why, we, sometimes we use it to explain, we did this and here's why. Right. Uh, a lot of people don't like that either, yeah, but, uh, you know, I can't tell you why people write us, but they do. How about this person who said, even your physical facial features and actions I think it's ridiculous. You're supposed to be a nonpartisan. I couldn't appreciate it if you were uh, more one-sided. They, they said they could tell who whose side we were on from the facial expressions. It's all in the arched eyebrow. You should do this. You should master a Morse code and then actually begin sending out messages by blinking during the newscast. You don't think I have? Like an Eat at Joe's kind of a thing. <laughs> You guys are never fair to both sides. You know Jew Watch owns your corrupt and greedy bleep. <laughs> fair, fair and balanced journalism, my Puerto Rican bleep. Uh, by the way, how's this for free speech? Wait, did I hear the did I hear the Jew Watch? That's what somebody wrote to us. But, I mean, in what context? Is that... I, I don't know if I'm... Uh, can I see that? Uh, well, yeah, I guess. I, mean, but, just, I just... Yeah, I just want to... We get, we get accused of being on both sides. You guys are never fair to both sides. You know... Jew watch, which is capitalized, implying that. What does that mean? Is that like a, is that like a store that sells timepieces or something? <laughs> I, I mean, really, I'm, I'm Martin Bergenstein. Welcome to Jew Watch. Um, your corrupt and greedy. Beep. 
No, it says, I'll read it. It says asses, but then it's spelled A-S-S apostrophe S. <laughs> Apparently, it's a possessive ass. The ass actually has any number of... Let's see. Here we go. Uh, so let me just... If, if you don't mind me hitting some of the highlights here in this email, or lowlights as the case may be, uh, we have here... Uh, yes, he says uh, something, something. Jew watch, and then um, biggest son of a bitch on the earth... Maybe, Let's see. Maybe I should stop you there. <laughs> I tried to hit the medium lights. By the way, he does have back-to-back here, Nazis and gay rights. Okay. I'll hand that back to you, Carl. Uh, I would, if you look carefully at Palin's right ear during the debate, there is some kind of wire hanging from the arm of her glasses right above her right ear. She always paused before she spoke. Could she possibly be wearing a wire and being coached? That's an email that we get. Well. Uh, so I I don't even know where to where to sort of move forward here. Um, so let's do this. Actually, how long are you here for? As long as you want. That's the right answer. All right. Um, first of all, what are you now tomorrow night? What is uh, what is K two going to be? Are you going to be on location somewhere? Are you going to be? What are you doing? Well, well, we're every place because there are a lot of campaign events all around town and a lot of issues. So you know, everybody's kind of all hands on deck. Personally, working the morning shift, I actually they let me rest so that I can be up uh, bright and early in the morning. Because you know, many people say this might not be. Over, you know, there may not be a, a winner in several races. I think the U.S. Senate race between Merkley and Gordon Smith is going to be very, very close. We might not have a concession speech on that one when we go off the air at night. May come the next morning. Now, see, and I've never, I haven't done a whole lot of television, so I don't know how it works from your from your perspective. Because obviously, here, you know, we go to a commercial break. Commercials are all playing here in the studio, and we we hear the commercials unless I go to the you know walk into the kitchen or the bathroom or something. How? What is it like when you guys are there? You you aren't hearing. The commercials that are airing or anything like that in the studio where you are. Right? Oh, every single one of them. Now, see, that's odd. I guess I thought that it would that be put somehow put in the control room and you wouldn't hear the commercials when you were on the air. Now, when they come in. So we have heard every commercial that you've Thousands seen. Thousands of times. You know, if you watch 15 minutes of the newscast, you get 10 or 11. We get them all the way through. You've seen Merkley eating that hot dog like five billion times. I, I think it's hilarious because that campaign started right after the primary, and they didn't stop. I mean, they didn't take a break. Usually they right. take a break until maybe after the uh uh, the conventions, but that one went right, bang, 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 and we've had commercial segments that are, you know, four commercials. That was Merkley followed by Smith, followed by Merkley, yeah. followed by Smith, um, and and in that campaign also, there's been a lot of money from outside of the state. Right, right. If people p- pay real careful attention, at the end it says sponsored by the Senate Committee for Democrats or the Senate Committee for Republicans. There's been a lot of influence from outside because it's a close race. So either side, would, you know, the Republicans desperately want to hang on to Gordon Smith's seat. The Democrats say, hey, here's another one we can get. We might right. get a, a, a larger advantage in the Senate. See, myself, I'm, I'm pulling that they, uh, that they don't get the 60 seats just because I love filibusters. <laughs> I think filibusters are great. You know what I mean? And maybe I've just watched too many episodes of The West Wing, but I just love the idea of some sort of Andy Griffith-looking guy standing there just reading out of a, a book of, of children's recipes or something, you know? Remember Jimmy Stewart and Mr. Smith totally. goes to Washington? Exactly, exactly. Where he fell asleep while he was uh, doing his long So, I mean, that's it. I don't want any sort of filibuster, uh, you know, stopping happening on my watch. Um I don't even I don't even I don't even know where to where else to go except to say that I was watching I don't remember who it was for it was for I think one of these ballot initiative things because um, a lot of these are very divisive or divisive as they say and sometimes they'll say like if it's for a candidate they'll say like I'm Barack Obama and I approve this message or this message paid for by concerned citizens for McCain or whatever have you noticed this that some of the groups that are buying these political ads they have and it's kind of a nifty trick where the name of the group itself is basically just another part of the ad. Right. <laughs> I forget exactly. I apologize because I forget exactly who, who the group is or what the ad is even for. 
But it did say something very much to the effect. It was like this. It said something like, they do the whole ad, and at the end they go, this ad paid for by the committee that realizes the government needs to get off our back and out of our houses and leave us alone to do whatever the hell they want, for the love of God, or something like that. And that has to be the real name of the ad. Which so is, somebody actually created that uh, you know, political action committee which, and named it that. Which is just fantastic, right? Because <laughs> you got to wonder, like, is this some guy got a bonus for thinking of that little maneuver? Yeah. Some guy who worked for some political action uh, committee came up with that idea late at night uh, you know, while sitting there listening to Dark Side of the Moon uh, in a haze of smoke and said, wait a minute, what if the name of the group was like, was like really long and that was part of the ad, which is, you know, that's what I live for every year to see every time we get into an election cycle to see how, uh, how these things are revised and refined because the Republicans, just my opinion of this, the Republicans are so much better at this. The Republicans are sort of like the Terminator where every time they get beaten or damaged or attacked somehow they stop and they analyze and they adjust and they regroup and they come back stronger whereas the democrats are just sort of the democrats are kind of like a not terribly bright uh like a not terribly bright dog that's got one of those like lampshade things on its head because it just you know had some surgery and it doesn't really get how that thing works and so it just keeps running into the door over and over again and never stopping to adjust and it just keeps walking into the door frame five six times in a row we get so much feedback about the negative ads and we've had people say i will not watch anymore because of them i i'm always amazed at how they supposedly work right obviously they do or they wouldn't wouldn't happen but i i can't believe that people aren't discriminating enough to know that if they see a gad uh, an ad that's against their uh the, their candidate and they get all angry, that's lies, that's not true, blah, blah, blah. But they wouldn't think that the ad against the person they're opposing sure. might not include maybe a little bit of fudging or at least stretching of the truth. Here's a dumb question. I think somebody's asking Tom Likas this the other day. It seem odd to you that in political advertising of for whatever party, whatever stripe, that, that you can just make stuff up? Well, you can really stretch the truth. I mean, you can, you can engage in I mean, the best example of this is that, is that Measure 8 thing in California. Uh, which is the gay marriage uh, thing with the yes on no, no on yes, where there, a group, which is, I believe, largely funded by the, the LDS and Catholic churches, they're running this sort of ad campaign that's all like, and they're going to teach gay marriage to five-year-olds in school, which is like could not possibly be further from the truth. And is, I think, in my opinion, just this side of fraudulent. And it's like, apparently you can just sort of do that. So. Well, if you do that in the in the uh, the regular stream of commercialism, you get you go before the House committee, yeah. and they, but they, they, they don't check on themselves quite as hard. But it's like in politics, when you're just uh, flat out just making stuff up or slinging mud, it's almost like people go, well, well done. <laughs> you know, it's almost like you want to, like you're going to give them a Cleo for that. Or he put a Phillips screw in his son's hand. <laughs> this message paid for by Sears Craftsman Tools. <laughs> Holy uh, all right, let's take a break, and we'll get caught up here. We'll come back. K2's Carl Click in the studio with us. Uh, I'm going to ask you this thing about election night food when we get back. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, what else have we got? Coming up later on, Cena Radio correspondent James Roop. Uh, much more uh, news about the election cycle. Don't forget, Rick Emerson's political party happens tomorrow night, 7 p.m. at Grand Central Bowl. More details on that and another installment of the greatest songs ever made. Stay there. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Rick Emerson.
Harrison Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Here with K2's Carl Click. Hello, Carl Click. Hey, it's so good to be here with the cool kids at the cool table. You always say that, and that's so not true. I don't think it's never true. And I'll be the, the cool judge kid. of who's cool. And I don't think it's like a Beetlejuice thing where if you keep saying it, it will, it will somehow become true. I, I don't believe that is a uh, perception-pacing reality sort of scenario, but I'll take the time. I spent so many years at the Geek Table. I know what cool is. You never commented on Carl's picture when you posted them on your website. Oh, dude. So, yeah, we posted your, uh, your photos. Well, there's two of them. One is the one of you playing tennis, which is unbelievably cool. <laughs> and then the other one was some guy who went to school with you who sent me actually like a, I don't know what year that would have been. I, I did see that. That wasn't my senior year. It was probably juniors. Probably yeah. about six, 16, 17. And did I, I don't know if I forwarded How about that helmet of hair? <laughs> oh, it was gold. Um, so, and that was immediately, I don't think I forwarded this to you. So I posted those high school photos of you and Tim sent me an email that night containing a few phrases that I never thought I would hear from Tim. The first one being OMG, all caps. Tim sent me this email and said, OMG, exclamation mark, I will not be outdone in the bushy hair department. <laughs> and then Tim sent us this glorious photograph of him sort of dressed up for like, I don't look for like a dance or a prom or whatever, mm. uh, with like the great sort of like, this sort of powdery mustache on the upper lip. Well, I tried really hard. The best he could happen. do at that age. Yeah. It really just looked like he hadn't bathed. Um, and then like the big 70s hair, which was just uh, just wonderful. That was naturally curly, by the way. Really? Yeah. You didn't have to go get like a, you didn't get like a, like a perm or something. You never did. It went all by itself like that, and since then it's just turned gray. Um, hey Richie, what are the? Uh, can you do me a favor and kind of go through these calls here in a second, see what folks are calling about? I only see a woman who wants to talk about porn, <laughs> which may make Carl uncomfortable. May. Well, let's take that call. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show about porn. How can I help you? Hi. Um, it's not the porn I'm really calling about. It's about the questions you asked around that. This is Rick Emerson. Is this Rick? Who am I speaking with? Depends. Do you owe him money? <laughs> Is this no. the party to whom I am speaking? Who? Uh, let's back up for a second. Okay. Yeah, yes, you are. You are on the air. This is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. I am the. Uh, I am the guy. Yes. You're the guy. Hi. Yeah. I'm the guy uh, in front of the guy. Uh, okay. I'm raising my eight-year-old grandchild, and I take him to the library quite often. Um, we don't financially have the means to have internet at home, so. Uh, if we were going to watch porn, we wouldn't watch it here, <laughs> nor would we watch it at the library. But the homeless guy couldn't have had a home to go home to to watch the computer on anyway, so didn't quite understand that question. I, you'll, what, is your, what is your name, miss? I'm Marlena Sweet. Marlena? That, well, first of all, th thank you for calling. Um, I, I think... Now I'm maybe I'm a little unclear as to the uh, the actual purpose of the call. Is it? Are you wishing to ask something or comment or clarify? Uh, what is I, the uh, what is your goal here in this I'm call? I'm responding to a couple comments you made this morning. Yeah. Uh, One yes. was about who on earth would you be using a cassette? Would, you, would be listening to cassette tapes anymore? Yes. Well, is that you, Mark? Do you in fact are you a cassette, a cassette tape enthusiast? Uh that's all I have. Yes. I have a cassette in my car. I have a cassette yeah. at home. So. What cassette are you listening to now, Marlene? Um, I listen to the books on tape. What uh, What book are you... Uh, Light from Heaven. Okay. No, uh, are you a big fan of Anne Murray? Not really. Uh, nowhere to go here. Uh, what... I just wanted to mention that there are those of us out there that... Um, the listen to cassettes. is a great resource. We don't no. want to sit next to people that are watching... Porn. I don't believe I was, well, I, no, I wasn't advocating the watching of pornography or blue materials at the library, Marlena. I don't think any of us want to sit next to anybody doing that. No, I, no, we can all agree the, on that, Marlena. One of the new measures that's out is to filter that at the libraries. And is that, that true, Carl Click? 
I don't think I saw that on the ballot. Yeah, it is. Is that a Multnomah County uh, measure? Well, I've just gotten my right to vote because I'm from Canada. Oh, it's I see. It's one of the measures um, about mm. filtering so that your children can go to the library yes. and safely watch it without it, being able to. It, where do you reside, Marlena? In uh, Multnomah County. So now wouldn't that be on my ballot, Carl Click? <laughs> well, uh Seeing that uh, I vote in a different state, I... Uh, Are you a godless Washingtonian? Uh, yes and no. I'm a God-fearing Oregonian. All right, Sarah. Well, Sarah doesn't even have her ballot here. Sarah's probably not even going to vote. Carl Click oh, through people through a dryer's that. offer, vote passes. No, no, no wait a minute. Now, I'm, so. now, hold on. Now, see, now, I didn't really even care about voting until you mentioned porn, Marlene, and now you've got my attention. That is the way to the so heart of the electorate. Pro-porn? Where is this porn uh, initiative? I just don't... It's about whether or not the filtered sessions, because when you go on to a library in, in, Hold in on. Portland. Just one second here, Marlene. I'm not terribly bright, so There Carl, may click. be more than one page to your ballot. You don't have the other one. I don't think so. I think they just sent me the one. It's double-sided. Do you want this session filtered, or do you not? Is there, a, is there any sort of a box for, you know, if I wish to, just to have a specific kind of pornography? Like what if I like what if I just want stuff with a lot of paddling? Uh, if kids get on in there and their parents aren't watching them, they can say they don't want the filter yes. uh, the session filtered. And that Rick, you don't get to vote on this. Why? I demand more porn measures. Accidentally I... get into a porn station just by snooping around. No one accidentally gets into pornography. Let's let's have no illusions about that, Marlena. <laughs> do you, Marlena? Do you do you yourself have little ones? I have an eight-year-old grandchild that's lived with me for two and a half years, and trust me, they can get into those sites. So you're, well, okay. Um, <laughs> all right, Marlene, how did you discover this program? What's the number on I've that measure? I've been listening to 97 AM for about a week and a half. Really? And I'm intrigued because it makes me laugh. Is it when, uh, sort of when you're not listening to the Victrola? <laughs> well, I don't have 90, a Victrola, but I do AM. have a cassette tape. All right, then. Well... Marlena, I've enjoyed this conversation. You call us anytime. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Thanks so much. We need to. Wow. That's get a little nothing. Marlena and Helen on like a coffee date. And what is that? Was like bug a them. Full on onion belting call is what that was. Uh, I thought I had all the measures down, and now I, I got to go back and I look see again. Nothing about porn here. I think she's making that up. Is it possible that uh, that uh, that Marlene is just? Uh, it, it'd be, it would be a Multnomah County measure for the Multnomah County. I got the, Mul the Multnomah County right here. I'm looking at the ballot. I, I see nothing about porn. All right. If anybody knows about this porn thing on the ballot, I demand clarification. Can I see your ballot? Will you, will you there you go. I'll try and find All the right. porn. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. And now, now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. I also put together a more election music last night because Madman wasn't on. So here's a little bit more. I mean... Welcome to our pre-election day coverage. Senator Hillary Clinton made a stop in Pittsburgh, and she said she really likes Obama a lot more than a lot of people think. And by the way, don't believe the vicious rumors you've heard about her. She says she really likes Obama and would do anything she can for I'm him. I'm hopeful. I am optimistic, but I don't want to take anything for granted. So uh, when the uh, Obama campaign asked me to come here uh, to Pittsburgh on my way to St. Louis, I said absolutely. Absolutely what? I, I don't know. As you sort of trailed off there. I'm still back on Marlena. And, uh, I mean, 
I went there. I, I don't even, even find anything about libraries, much less. Don't you wish, porn. like, more than anything, you could have somehow looked through the phone into her home just to see, like, you know, what what, what is the deal? Yeah, give her some Martin. credit. She had cassette tapes and not eight track. And I, <laughs> cassette tapes and apparently an eight year old who's a big <laughs> porn enthusiast. So. Um, all right. Well, there you go. And she thinks it's on the ballot. Here's the thing. Uh, is it possible that... Uh, Wait, aren't there two ballots, though? Sort of... I heard that on a PSA on this fine station. Should I have two ballots? Where well, was my well, other there one? There may be? be more than one sheet to your ballot. No, I don't think so. I think I've because only got in, one. in Washington County, I believe that we had two. No, I... I, I remember a very proper young lady talking in a PSA about how I remember there are two No, I've only got one year. envelope. I've got no, one no, envelope. No, that's a secret. That's a secrecy envelope that goes inside the regular one. Right, but I'm saying... That, that's what I'm saying. I've got one envelope set, though. Uh-huh. Wouldn't, there, wouldn't well, no, I have a second be, envelope? There could be two different sheets. No, they both go together. Well, where would my second ballot be? I don't live in Multnomah County. I couldn't tell you. Hold on. Let me look here. Uh, wait. No. 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 Oh, no. A big sheet. No. I think the no. time has come to give up. No. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, that time came for, for me many years ago. Uh, oh, wait, here we go. Maybe this might be somebody who knows about the uh, porn. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Do you know about the so-called porn measure? Uh, Which sounds really perverse. No, I apologize that, for that. I, that. That sounds like a crazy Canadian made up that story. Right, I, I got right. nothing I think there. someone might How, be having a bit of fun with Marlena. However, yes. there were two voters' pamphlets, a single ballot. Some counties had multiple pages. Okay, see, no, no, no. I have the two voters' pamphlets. I've got one double-sided ballot from Multnomah County. That's it. That's all they sent me, I think. And, and that's what I have from Washington County. All right. I was actually, you were commenting earlier that only like 30-some percent of people voted uh, thus far in Oregon this year as far as registered voters and last uh, presidential election. Yes, it is down. More. Yes. Okay. I, I just dropped off my ballot at the Tualatin Library. The ballot box in front of the city building next uh, across the street has guards because it is currently overflowing and they don't want people to be able to tamper with it. Uh, the Falton Library one also completely filled and is being watched by people there as well. That's weird. I think that's got to be a first. That typically doesn't happen. Right. Also, um, in regards to mixtapes, enthusiasts, and controls, I actually do own an old Victrola, and I am a mixtape, or at least a cassette enthusiast. Uh, because of the fine lost art of making mixtapes. All right. And you are a better person for it, sir. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Rick. Bye. All right. There you go. So you have the big party tomorrow night. Will you be watching Channel 2 uh, uh, with your election coverage? It's going to be on one of the big screens. Yeah. Excellent. Can we we'll be on the biggest one, please? Yes. Well, here's what we're going to be doing. Uh, there's going to be two different kinds of uh, types of television coverage tomorrow. Uh, we're going to be at the uh, tomorrow Grand Center Bowl, uh, 8th and Morrison in beautiful southeast Portland, along with the Willamette Week, the Oregon Bus Project. Uh, Tim is going to be broadcasting live, giving updates, analysis, stories, whatever, throughout the night. Uh, on the televisions there inside the venue are going to be, uh, first of all, Tim will be closed circuit broadcast inside the venue when he does his updates. As far as television coverage, the national coverage will be from CNN. And then for local uh, coverage, our, uh, you know, our fine friends at KTV yes. may, uh, yes. may be providing a little bit of knowledge to the people on that. Good, tomorrow, good, because so. we, we start at 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and so that's even two hours. Well, I guess it's uh, one hour before the polls close in Virginia. Uh, so we'll start having um, updates from ABC then. And, and that's a key state, Virginia closing. That's one of the key battleground states for now, Obama and McCain. Now, in your long and storied career as a newscaster, now have you have you done the thing where you go to like a, a headquarters or whatever oh. on election night? Oh, yeah. Please to tell. Oh, well, first thing is is it's very difficult to be there because every other station is there. Right. And you all want to talk to one person, you know, whatever the candidate is sure. for, that, for that venue. And, uh, and then... 
you know, the producers back in the booth, they'll have, you know, eight or nine of these different places. So if I've got candidate, you know, Bob Smith, and I, we want to talk to him right now, I may have to stand there with him for 10 minutes while I wait for them. Sure. You know, that's not a comfortable situation. So, uh, yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll have uh, crews at the Republican and Democratic uh, main places. I, I've been lucky enough to be at the Libertarian Party's uh, headquarters. That's a real barn burner. <laughs> it, it's actually a fun place to be. A bunch of guys sitting around, pants pulled up to the oh, middle no. of their stomach. No, 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 no. It is a uh, it is a hot place to be. There's uh, yeah, Carl. Hey, they they don't have to worry about winning and losing, so they're having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. They're having a good time. I bet that's all dudes. I bet you go to that libertarian no. thing. All dudes and like one buck tooth girl somewhere. No, it is not. Are you kidding? Is this here in Oregon? <laughs> Libertarians in Oregon, you're talking about? Uh, yeah. Uh, it, it's a great election memory. Right. As far as food, now when you go to the uh, when you go to the headquarters or the party headquarters or a candidate's, you know, the sort of main hub, uh, what kind of food are we talking about, and where's the food the best? Usually, usually good food, good spreads. Uh, but I did poll reporters uh, and uh, the ones that I've talked, they always say the Republicans usually have the best spread. See, that totally that makes I would I, I would have laid money on that. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. Excellent. All and right. and reporters at places like this, they know, because we're real good at finding the free food. I'm betting uh, that they've got the best food. I'm thinking Democrats I might have more booze, but I'm, I'm thinking Democrats, if you go there to either the headquarters of the party or a candidate, I'm thinking Democrats have more booze, Republicans will have better booze. You know, in other words, in other, you go to the Democrats, they're going to have uh, it is, well, they're rows and have, rows. Having to drown their sorrows every election. <laughs> I, I would imagine they have better booze. I mean, scores of bottles, but then you go to the Republican thing, and it's probably just a few bottles of Johnny Walker Blue. That would be my guess. It's always kind of a dangerous place to be because everybody's watching. There's usually a... Uh, a newspaper columnist right. watching everybody, and the next day, you know the, you know who flopped, sure, and what, sure. who asked the do, the goofy question. Uh, I always like it right off the bat, like eight o'clock. The first numbers come in, and you see, you know, uh, Gordon Smith has forty nine percent, and Jeff Merkley has fifty one, and it says two percent of the precincts reporting. Yeah. And, and then you get Gordon Smith, and the reporter says, well, "What do you think of the early numbers?" You know, and it's like ninety eight percent of them are counted, and. Uh, what do you think of this? What do you think of this wildly non-representative sample? That's yeah. So what do you think of the early trends? What is the most exciting moment in election uh, on election night for you? Is it when they finally call it for somebody? What is or is it just as they start to count the ballots? What is the most exciting moment for you, just as a person? I tell you what, I look forward to. It's everybody has to give a concession speech, right? And, and you know that most people know it's coming ahead of time, right? So you right. got to think about what you're going to say. But there's always that moment where you know candidate. Click comes up, you know, and everybody, all the supporters give him a big hand and everything, you know, and I, he says, well, you know, it's been a good fight, but I just called Congressman whatever, <laughs> and everybody in the crowd goes, no, boo, no, no, and then the candidate, you know, says, no, 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 oh, come on now, he, he, he yeah. called me this, he called me that, but he ran a good race, yeah, totally. he's an honorable man, <laughs> exactly, yeah. I love that moment, you know, I just called blah, 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 oh, boo, you didn't do that, I'm telling you this right now, because there's so much discussion about John McCain and Barack Obama, and McCain taking public funding, and Obama not, and whatever, and candidates, of course, are always having to raise extra money, right, that's the thing, they run out of money in the campaign and you see things like obama buying five million dollars i think they said worth of that infomercial uh, infomercial time the other day and, and you know and then mccain is out there with some like jackass quasi plumber i mean that really is just the, the difference in cash flow between the two campaigns here's what they ought to do some network uh and and i'm looking at you like amc fx some scrappy young young network that really wants to just get out there and really make a splash some network needs to do this. They need to get together with one of the candidates you know, in the next time presidential election comes around. And then you say, look, uh, here's the deal. We'll give you 
$25 million right now, like flat out. Like we'll route it through a 527 or whatever, whatever it is you do. Like we'll, we'll, we'll give you like $20 million, but the deal is we get to tap all your phones and we get to air your actual concession call to the other guy. Not your concession speech. I mean, I'm talking the actual call where you pick up the phone and go, yeah, it's me. Yeah, fine. You want great. Yeah, congratulate. Yeah, enjoy the. Have fun fixing a stupid, messed up cunt. Jerk. Wham. And then you hang up. You know what I mean? Because then you fast forward him going, I have called my opponent and wished him well and congratulated him on a well-run campaign. But you know, back there, he's just man. He's like kicking his. He, you know, he's drop kicking his schnauzer across the room afterward. I always wonder what those calls are like. How about in uh, in 2000 when either Gore or Bush they'd called one of the states. And then they uncalled it. Somebody had given a concession call, and then he called him back and no, no, said, no. no, I don't mean it. It was Gore. Gore called George Bush. W. Bush, and then he called him back <laughs> to rescind it. What I would not give. Oh, yeah. What I wouldn't give to hear that. I mean, you can see that in that movie Recount with Kevin Spacey, which is you know, very accurate. And, of course, there was, there was a big, uh, I think, New York Times article back then in 2001 about this. And they said how Gore called, you know, Governor Bush, I just want to congratulate you and, um, you know, a hard-fought campaign and really, um, if you ever, and they always offer their help, too. And I told, I told Governor Bush, whatever help he needs, I will in any way possible assist him as he runs this republic, which is the shining beacon of democracy and whatever. And then, like, 20 minutes later, he calls back. Hey George, yeah, it's out. No, I take it back. That was uh, strike that, reverse that. I'm not really, uh, I'm not really conceding. So, uh, bye. And hung up. Yeah, that tape of that phone call has got to be in somebody's archives. Oh, dude, you know Carl Rove is there with like a lapel mic, you know, <laughs> just, just, just taping that for posterity. So, oh, yeah. All right, let's uh, do a few more headlines here with Tim Riley. Some uh, sad campaign news we've just learned from the AP that Senator Obama's grandmother Madeline Dunham has died after battle with cancer. That mm. happened today. Circuit City says it's closing 20% of its U.S. stores in an effort to return the nation's second largest consumer electronics realtor to profitability. Didn't they already close down some? Or am I yeah. thinking somebody else? They're going to shutter 155 of its more than 700 stores in 12 markets, laying off thousands. Most of them will be in Ohio so far. Circuit City has only one profitable quarter in the past year, posting a wider second quarter loss in September. So what else do they sell that everyone doesn't have already? Really? This email says, I insist that you give Marlena a weekend show immediately. <laughs> uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hello. Um, hey. Since Carl lives up in the coup, we do have to talk about one of the um, races up there. there. I was going through the ballot measure last night because I guess full house reruns or something weren't on last night. But they, there's one guy who actually, in his comments, why we should vote for him, says, to paraphrase, at least I didn't ever get arrested for cocaine. <laughs> I really, I have to tell you, I like the sort of unconventional either, uh, you know, blurbs about the candidates or the personal quote. Or we were talking about, I guess there was some anti-Sizemore thing. What is the deal, Carl? They, can you buy space in a voter's guide, even if you're just some guy? I, I, I think you can. I'm not sure about Washington, but I think you can in Oregon. Uh, yeah, I do. And what that gentleman's talking about is... Uh, that's a reference to another candidate, I believe. Right. Yeah, yes, so, it is. Right. Right, I cannot that. believe that Obama story. Can you imagine the timing mm -hmm. of that? There's, exactly. There's, there's a woman who raised a young right. man who may right. may very well become the first uh, person of color to be the president of this and, and did not live long enough to see it. Oh, I, I know. No, it, she, she was 86 years old. Yeah, it's a huge... I mean, it's a, it, is, it is just a huge... Um, the, the, I mean, obviously, it is, you know... 
you know, did somebody who raised you, or your, you know, uh, someone close to you, you know, when they when they die, it's always it's always you know a terrible thing. But I it, it just it. It is, I couldn't it is like a, a mother to him, though, right? But yeah. she, she raised him. I mean, it is just a huge, horrible uh, confluence. Yeah, just that, the that comes, you know, uh, the, you know, the day before he is, you know, more than likely, uh, more than likely elected, in the opinion of some. So, in any event, uh, let's do one more here, Tim, and then we'll take a break. We'll come back. Are you staying? Or are you going? Uh, I'm here if you need me. All just, right. just like you know, I, I concede you won the race. So I, I like to help you at any point. I'm just saying we got. Uh, I got more stuff to do. You know, I don't wish to make you uncomfortable with some of our juvenile observations of behavior, Carl. Police in Logan, Utah, see a newspaper boy wanted to make his work a little bit shorter, so he stole a neighbor's pickup truck to make his rounds. The 14-year-old ended up crashing the vehicle into a house on his delivery route. The house has only minor damage, but police summoned the boy to appear in juvie court on various offenses. He did return the pickup truck to his neighbor's driveway after the crash, though, and went to school like nothing happened. Oh, by the way, we got a clarification, because everybody is saying that I've got the right ballot and that there is, in fact, no porn thing, which is what Marlena was talking about. Here we go. This one, though, says, Rick... I live in Multnomah County. You should have two voters' pamphlets, only two pamphlets, one ballot, uh, which is, in fact, what I have. The, the uh, measure Marlena was talking about is on the ballot in Lake Oswego. Oh. There you go. Oh, that's why you don't have it in your ballot. Children in Lake Oswego, more precious, apparently, than children elsewhere. Well, I heard that there's one politician in West Lynn, which experiences a constant crime wave, that has uh, made it her position to make sure that Wes Lynn is patrolled for crime 24 hours a day, and she is the one who put this into practice. Really? Yeah. Uh, it's a right. lady. All right, let us uh, take a break. We'll come back after this on KCMD Portland, a proud part of the CBS radio family. We are one day away from election aught eight. We return around the corner. More from Tim Riley coming up later on. Carl Click, your phone calls. Jim Roop from CNN and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. I'll have to think about it. It'll be genius. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into whimsy. Whimsy, whimsy. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, we're here alongside K2's Carl Click. Hello. <laughs> you almost sounded like Richie there. <laughs> Seriously. Um, or Stephen First in Animal House. Oh, yeah, exactly. Says, uh, what, is it? what is his name? Kent? Kent? Flounder. Yeah, and when Dean Warmer's going... Kent Dorfman. Hello. <laughs> That's the way I feel. 0.2. <laughs> Congratulations. You're at the top of the Delta Pledge class. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, Carl. <laughs> uh, it's 503-733-2970. All right, I got some notes to get to from this weekend. Here's the thing. This probably isn't the same uh, in, in the world of uh, television, Carl, because, I mean, you guys are... Minus minus breaks. Uh, how many minutes are you working with? I mean, beginning to end. Uh, we're about twenty-two minutes uh, every half hour. Yeah, and so I mean, it's just like paced within an inch of its life in television. I mean, it, ha- it has to be just to make sure everything times out absolutely correctly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You don't you don't really have the luxury uh, of of getting to uh, of doing the thing we do. We're going like I don't know. We got piles of stuff. We're just not going to get to it. Can, can I tell you a story? Mm. Okay. You talk about hitting the post as a radio uh, music person. Mm. You know, getting right up to the start of a song. We do something in TV, we call it a generic live shot. This is inside baseball for everybody, <clears throat> where somebody from ABC 
is going to do a national report. Right. And they're going to start at 30 seconds after the hour, and every ABC affiliate around the country that wants to join them Right on the button can do it. Right. So we, we will say, here's a story, here's a story, and ABC's uh, Lindsay Davis has more stop, and Lindsay starts talking live. Right. And we have to time that absolutely perfectly because we know that that reporter starting at 30 seconds after the hour. If we end, you know, at 28 seconds and there's a two-second pause, people think it's a satellite delay. If we talk over that person, they know we're not really... Uh, right, right, right. <laughs> so... Timing is essential. So you got to have to uh, you have to really have the uh, the the back timing right into that of knowing exactly, and that's why every word is probably sort of you know regimented out. Yeah, you type a script for news on a computer nowadays, it'll tell you how long it is. If Steve Dunn reads it, if Carl Click reads it, if Natalie Marmion reads it, it has our different read rates in there. So. See, that's see, that's all stuff that's fascinating. I think not just to me, but to to everybody. Uh, all right, here's what we're gonna do. Uh, we will do uh, so a few things in the next hour. We're gonna get to the exit poll for today. We're going to talk to uh, CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop. Uh, more with Carl Click. What else? Uh, we have another installment of the greatest songs ever made. Uh, we're going to get to that. Don't forget, tomorrow, uh, the Rick Emerson Show's political party is happening 7 p.m. Grand Central Bowl, 8th and Morrison in Southeast Portland, along with our partners, the Willamette Week and uh, the Oregon Bus Project, and our proud sponsors, uh, Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing, Taboo Adult Video, bringing all that to you. Live updates and coverage by Tim Riley, CBS Radio Portland News Director. Uh, we'll also be joined by CNN Radio correspondents Lisa Desjardins, as well as Kira Phillips, as well as Jim Roop, as well as Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, Sarah will be there. I'll be there. Richie, God help it, will be floating around, groping any number of people. K2 so, News on the big screen. K2 News <laughs> on the big screen, CNN on the big screen, and liquor with which you can either celebrate or commiserate. One can either uh, revel or one can mourn, depending on what side of the uh, aisle you happen to be on. All right. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Good afternoon, Mr. Emerson. What's this up, is Chris sir? with the AFL-CIO. Hello. Hi. And I'm calling unreg- uh, registered voters who haven't got their ballots turned in yet. Is this is this mailman Chris? It is. It All is. Right. How is Hello. everyone? How are you, sir? This is mailman Chris. Yes, it, it is. It is mailman Chris. Long time no talk. I. Uh, it didn't I've even been... sound like you anymore. It's been that long. It's been that long. Well, I've I've I've, I've been pretty darn busy working on this stuff. Now, do they have like? Are you doing a canvassing thing? What have they got you doing? Well, what I'm doing is, you know, as you all know, I'm a letter carrier, but I took nine weeks of personal time. Took personal leave and took, you know, I'm no longer working for the post office. You took nine weeks? Nine weeks. What kind of job do you have that, that you even have nine weeks you can take? Well, I don't, I'm not getting paid for it. I'm, I'm, I'm working for my union. All right. And so my union is paying me. I'm not getting paid by the post office in any way, shape, or form. I must say that as a disclaimer, I think. <laughs> but, and I'm down here working for the AFL-CIO. And, I, yeah, I'm doing everything. I'm canvassing. I'm door knocking. I'm, I'm making phone calls. I put together the canvas packs for people. You know, I'm doing everything. All right, can I and, All right, go, go ahead. Oh, and like, and then like today and tomorrow, you know, we're we're doing everything to make sure that those election boxes aren't getting overfilled, that you know, ballots are getting picked up, that if someone needs a ballot picked up, that a, a volunteer letter carrier on his day off will even come and you know pick up the the ballot for you if you can't do it. You know, we're doing everything we can to get the vote out. Can I tell you this? This is actually just dovetails into something I was going to say. Anyway, I made this note to myself. This is at 11:24 a.m. this past Saturday, um, and my wife will tell you that I just, you know, I'm constantly taking my BlackBerry and just making observations. And I got a few that we're going to get to. Some of them about these hot girls that helped me pick out a shirt this weekend. Um, but this one, 
You know, we hear so much about the polls, and I know, Carl, you guys are reporting on, you know, polls both local and regional and, na- and national about the, the, the president, the presidential race, and a lot of other things. And also about the polls accurate, do people lie to pollsters about, you know, their leanings, their proclivities, their perhaps prejudices, whatever. I got to tell you, for what it's worth, I actually lied to an election volunteer just this weekend. Whoa. I don't, and I don't mind telling you, I flat out, and I found out my wife did the same thing. I flat out lied to somebody this weekend. Sitting there, 1130 on Saturday, my wife was out with some friends of hers. I don't, I'm doing whatever. I was thinking I was laying on the sofa watching TV. Knock at the door. I go and I answer the door, and it's some woman. She seemed very pleasant and well-meaning. Big, uh, like, plastic bag in her arm, bunch of pencils, bunch of whatever. And I said, hi, could I help you? And she goes, well, I'm just coming by to make sure that you vote. Have you voted, sir? And what did I say? Did I say no? Did I say I plan to? Did I say it's on the immediate horizon? No, I just said yes. Yes, I have. Yes, I voted, and I've already turned in my ballot. Because I because here's the thing I knew if I said no you or, were in for a long long yeah, talk or, or even if I had just said well you know I'm gonna get to it later on today she goes you know what's coming yeah. right my wife worked for MoveOn.org for a while I know what's coming I'll tell you what sir why don't I I've got a pen right here let's sit down and I'll sit in the other room you can fill it out and I'll take you down to the drop off place myself how about that let's I have a car put on your shoes let's go and I didn't look I care about my country not that much. So I just lied because it made it because it got rid of her. Now and, the lesson there: they need to bring somebody cooler to your doorstep that you would invite into your house, and then you would vote with them. Hot you know? girl. Yeah, yeah. Well. But I found out later on, and we'll talk to Jim Roop in like ten seconds here. I found out later on, my wife did exactly the same thing the previous day. <laughs> Some guy came by the house Friday. Knock, knock, knock. Uh, pardon me, miss. Have you voted? My wife, who has not voted yet. My wife. Yes, yes, I have. Thanks so much. So what's so. wrong with their database when they came back again? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. So there you go. So, so take we, that as a caveat. Well, we get updates on the database about every day, and we update all the lists. So if, yeah. you're, if you voted, you come off the list. Hey, I just wanted to call and take the time to say to everyone, regardless of who you're voting for, how you're voting, make sure you get your ballots in 8 p.m. tomorrow. Get it to a drop box. Letter carriers, we're picking them up, uh, you know, out of your mail today. But if not, you know, just get it to a drop box somewhere between now and 8 p.m. tomorrow. And once I get done at 8 p.m., I'm I'm foregoing my ticket to the Democratic Party and to the Merkley campaign party, and I will be making my way down to uh, Grand Central. All right. We'll see you there, sir. We will see you there. All right. Thank you. Merkley really ought to just be filling his party full of hot dogs of all varieties, all sizes, every flavor, every kind of garnish or relish. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, seeing a radio correspondent and styling dude about town, James Rupp. Hello, sir. Hey, good afternoon. How are you? Are you feeling uh, good, bad, harried, frenzied, fried? Uh, I was feeling good until about 20 minutes ago when things When I'm sorry, <laughs> when things what? Stopped working. Uh, how are you? Uh, are there technical issues at play? Yeah, some technical issues, but right. I don't... Uh, whatever. <laughs> that's the whether, whether it works or not, I still get paid. So. Uh, there you go. That's what I'm talking about, my friend. That is the ethic that keeps this country on the track to productivity. Well, I'm not having a heart attack over this. That's for damn sure. Um, so you are. So you're going to be at McCain headquarters uh, tomorrow. I am there now. You are there now. What is the? Uh, I am here now. I should say. Let me, let me let me put it let me put it this way. What is the general mood you would would you say at McCain headquarters right now? Well, cautious. I mean, kind of. Uh, it, it's not jubilant, but it's it's not. It's, there's not a pall hanging over uh, right. the campaign at all right now. They're, they're still genuinely, I think, very confident, especially after the investors' business daily poll just came out. 
um, which, by the way, even though you may not know much about it, it was the most accurate poll in 2004. I mean, they missed it by a tenth of a point or something. Right. But it says that McCain's two points behind Obama nationally, that one poll. I mean, then there's the other polls that say, you know, Obama's 13 points ahead of McCain. But, you know, I mean, there, there, there are so many different polls out there, and they vary so much right. that this campaign believes that they're making a stronger push at the finish than Barack Obama is, because Barack Obama apparently did very well at the beginning of this campaign, and he's sort of falling off now. So, you know, give it whatever spin you want to give it from this particular perspective. They're very confident. I, I've heard some people say that uh, John McCain does tend to draw from an older voting demographic. And, of course, you know, the, statistically speaking, the older you are, the more likely you are to vote. And I think, generally speaking, the older you are, probably the more likely you are to be uh, a McCain supporter. And that's a generalization, but I think it's generally true. So oh, I heard that, That's exactly what the Obama camp says, too, that, you know, the younger voters, if they come out, if they turn out the way they've been registering anyway – they believe that that will put Obama over the top. So the Obama campaign is continuing to push the younger voters, get them out there. John McCain, you know, he's, you know, the, you know, the early bird special crowd still is hanging on to him along with the Catholics and a lot of the other real conservative type folks. But for the most part, um, I honestly believe this can still go either way. I, well, that's the thing is, like, I, you know, it's just, and even in my own head and even here on the show, we we have gone back and forth from, we think Obama's got it sewn up to who knows to you know, maybe the numbers we're seeing are not accurate. I'm telling you right now, make a little prediction here. Between now and the next presidential election, between now and 2012, some company is going to emerge and they are going to announce that they have developed a brand new polling system, a brand new polling technology or methodology that will, at least when they position it, they will say anyway, they will claim that it will eliminate all of this weird, contradictory guesswork about what the polls say. I'm telling you right now, there's a huge market opening for somebody right now. I don't know how they can do that because the polling is all guesswork. I mean, you're, you're, you're really pretty much reporting on what a certain segment of people are telling you. Right. You, you know, you poll 500 people and X amount say this and X amount say that. And until they actually cast their vote, you don't really know. So it's, uh, that's why I think polls are just, it's just something for people to do, you know, give somebody a job. Go out there and make phone calls or knock on doors and get as much information as you can. Not that these polls don't mean anything because it sort of helps the campaigns um, gear their message to wherever. Right. But, it, yeah, I still don't – I don't put a whole lot of stock into them at this point. I've heard some McCain people say that, the, that they think that the dynamic at play right now is that a lot of Obama supporters – a lot of them are, are folks who maybe this is the first time they voted or they vote sporadically, not all that often. And they're very energized this year, and so they're getting out early. And these are the, you know, these are the guys you see in lining up for seven hours in Florida or whatever to vote. They've said that they think that McCain voters are people who are more likely to vote. They probably vote in every election, national or otherwise. And they haven't really turned out because they are just more inclined. It's never a question that they're going to vote, so they just wait and do it on election day. And they're expecting a, a disproportionate number of McCain voters out on, on election day uh, because they are not folks who have that, 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 you know, that immediate, the immediacy and the thrill of being maybe a first-time voter. No, you're absolutely right. And, and the older you are, the less you want to avoid, the more you want to avoid crowds. So as you see four-hour, seven-hour waits in early right. voting, you're thinking, 
hey, man, election day, there's not going to be anybody out there. I'm going at 2.30 on election day, and I'll be able to walk right in and in five minutes cast my ballot. So you're probably right. It gives you time to watch Matlock. There you go. All right. Uh, all right, so we will undoubtedly talk to you tomorrow, and then I know you're going to be part of tomorrow night's coverage. Uh, we are going to be carrying CNN Radio long-form coverage, as they say here, uh, with Lisa and Kira, and I know you uh, and Steve will be weighing in. Tim Riley's going to be doing uh, news updates. So uh, it is, uh, it is, the, it is the, the final storm before the storm. So we will check in with you uh, tomorrow, brother. Oh, good. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks. All right. Thank you, my friend. There you go. CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. All right. Here in just a moment, we'll do... Uh... Probably not our final exit poll. We might try to sneak one more in before the end of the show. Uh, but we will do our first exit poll for today. It is 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If you have voted in this presidential election, uh, whether Oregon or elsewhere, if you have voted in this year's presidential election, now is the time to call. Let us know uh, who got your votes. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, in the uh, time before that, Carl Click. So let me ask you this. Uh, do you share, because sometimes in the studio we feel like we are protected from the crazy outside, but sometimes in the studio we feel like the crazy outside has filtered in, like, through the air and and, and the phones, and we are accurately, you know, sort of registering it. So do you sense the same thing we do? Sarah and I were talking about this at the top of the show, that sometimes we will come in and one of us has had... Something, you know, really good or something bad happened or we're in a bad mood or we're in an exceptionally great mood and there's all of this pent-up energy that we just got to blurt out and get it out on the air and then we feel better. But I think Sarah and I both, at least for us, feel like we've got so much pent-up energy right now that there's nothing we could do to get rid of it. We're just going to continue to be jacked up until Wednesday morning. Is that, do you think, the sense out there? I, I think I, I think that does exist, but I think we're now kind of over that a little bit, and everybody's kind of on the downhill slide thinking it's going to be over soon. And so there's going to be that that release of energy, whether you want to or not, come Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, or whatever it happens. But I, I, I sense people are all ready for this to be done. Let me ask you this. Just your objective assessment as a news person, do you think that we're going to have a definitive final presidential winner Tuesday night? I think we probably will have a presidential winner Tuesday night. I'm not necessarily sure whether uh, people will give speeches indicating that as such before we get past the midnight hour. So you think there'll be a winner, but we're not going to hear a concession before midnight? Uh, yes. Ask me for a guess. Yeah, in just right. in that's, your opinion, your, right. your, your guess, your read yeah. on it. I think there are enough battleground states uh, that are um, that are close enough or leaning one direction that they're not all going to fall the other direction. And so I, I think they'll be one of those we project the winner is. Right. But I, I don't think that either party will be because I, there, you know, there could be legal challenges and things like that. But I, I think it's always hard to do if, if, if your candidate has gone on the stage and saying, I called Senator right. blank and blank and I congratulate him on this. Right. Once you do that, that kind of defeats the purpose. Everything happens after that. And just uh, one final question. Here. How, I mean, it's got to be, um, it's got to be especially tricky uh, for you all in, in the real news business post-2000 about when do you finally say, like, okay, Senator so-and-so won. Because everybody got so badly screwed in 2000, having to retract, and they put it back out, and then they retract, and then it's a recount, and then it's, you know, nobody knew. I mean, what, who, who I mean, who finally just says, like, this is it, we're saying it? Well, for the networks, they have uh, polling people they pay big money to, to to give them that data and make right. those information. I think... Uh, I think those people and those networks are going to be very careful in several states. I mean, they know which states um, 
uh, can be a little tenuous mm-hmm. as far as whether or not polling data is going to be as accurate as the as the voting numbers. So they'll be very careful on those states. Uh, you know, other than that, uh, you know, I, I think they'll be they'll be calling states uh, when you know fairly quickly. And they can't announce any of the returns until the polls are closed everywhere, right? No, uh, they won't announce results or make projections until the polls are closed in that state. So they will they will announce really? projections on the East Coast even though we're not done voting. I thought that was I didn't think that was the case. I thought that it was actually you could not announce no. results until the polls were closed everywhere because the theory is you did not want even the feeling that somebody in Washington was disenfranchised by the results back east and therefore their vote not going to matter anymore. No, and, and, and it's not a rule or a law. That is that is a, a theory about how to do things. And everybody waits till a state is closed and then they will announce that they, you know, how that affects people in the West Coast uh, is irrelevant to the announcement of that data. Interesting. Well, I'm glad uh, you that, don't that, that's why some people have suggested having a 24-hour voting period. Right. You know, from 6 a.m. One morning to 6 a.m. the next. Right. That way, all the polls technically close at the same time. So it would be 6 a.m. on the East Coast. It would be 9 a.m. on our side. So that technically all the polls right. close at the same time. All right, then. Uh, well, let's do this. Let's do our exit poll for today, and uh, then we will move on with the rest of somewhere. Seal that, seal that crack up. That's entirely the wrong soundbite. <laughs> what were you trying to play? There you go. That's more correct. All right, it's uh, time to do our exit poll for Monday, the day before election 08. It's 503 Call up, let us know if you have voted for president. Who got your vote? Hi, uh, Rick Emerson Show uh, exit poll. Who got your vote? Obama. All right, thank you. Hey, right. can I? Oh, yeah, just <laughs> yes? real quick. Friday was Halloween. I tried to call a couple of times. Um, what do you call a ghost that drinks too much? I don't know. A boozer. <laughs> Thank you. All right, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Rick Emerson Show exit poll. For whom did you vote? Oh, Bob Barr. <laughs> okay, well done. Bye. Bye. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Rick Emerson Show, exit poll. For whom did you vote? The corporate oligarchs ground me down. I was going to vote for Nader, but I went with Obama. All right, thank day. you. All right, thanks. Bonus points for using the word oligarchs. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. For whom did you vote? Obama. Obama, got it. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Rick Emerson Show, exit poll, presidential election 2008. For whom did you vote? McCain. All right, McCain, thank you. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Rick Emerson Show exit poll. For whom did you vote? McCain. McCain, thank you. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, Rick Emerson Show exit poll. For whom did you vote? Hi, it's you. For the love of sweet God Almighty, you're on the radio. Thanks. Great. Thanks so much. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show uh, exit poll. For whom did you vote? Really? Oh, momentum building. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Please speak. Obama. (laughs) (laughs) All right, thank you. Uh, Hi, Rick Emerson Show. Exit poll. Uh, For whom did you vote? Obama. All right, thank you. It's 503-733-2970. Rick Emerson Show. Exit poll. For whom did you vote? Kane. All right, thank you. Sound like like a zombie guy. (laughs) Seriously, McCain. (laughs) Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. For whom did you vote? Obama. All right, thank you. Can you thank tell you. if vo- voice number one and voice number two lean different directions in your poll? 
That's a good question. I hadn't really. We should have totally been uh, tracking that. Oh, it might be too much. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson. Next time, Carl. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. For whom did you vote? Is this me? Yes, it is. Hello. Obama. All right, thank you. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. For whom did you vote? Obama. Mm-hmm. 503-733-2970. Do a few more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. For whom did you vote? John McCain. All right, thank you. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Exit poll. For whom did you vote? John McCain. All right, and do like uh, two more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Exit poll. For whom did you vote? Barack Hussein Obama. Well done. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Final vote uh, for now, anyway. We'll do another one later. For whom did you vote? Papa. Okay. Thanks so much. All right, there you go. Uh, so that is our first exit poll for today. Uh, it looks like we got nine Obama, five McCain, two Bob Barr, which is, as we've been saying, the weird thing about it is that is more or less within the margins of the national polls about this, which is kind of freaky. So either they're really wrong or we're really right or some confluence of the two. It's all very strange. All right, Carl Click. Uh, K2, uh, we will be, uh, uh, it was, you, you will be on K2 tomorrow, uh, morning, uh, as you always are. And then, of course, uh, K2 in general are going to be on the... And election coverage all afternoon tomorrow. And then we'll be back on the air in the morning again on Wednesday, which, you know, that's the good time. And then we know the results. So there you go. So you will actually be able to come in and just, uh, you know, batting cleanup on exactly. Wednesday morning. Be like, look, I'm Carl Click, and this is the way yeah. it is. A, B, C, D, E. Move on. These are the facts. All right. Let's, 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 yeah, let's, let's move. All right. Excellent. Carl Click, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. All right. Take a break. Back after this, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth and another installment of The Greatest Songs Ever Made. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Exhausted. Not me. I'm ready for this election to begin today. Go off. It's only Monday and I'm worn out. It could be because you lost an hour of sleep. No, wait a minute. You gained an hour of sleep. I gained an hour of sleep. Maybe you slept too much. Has Rick Emerson slept too much? (laughs) Oh, by the way, I'm just going to give you a sample uh, sampling here from headlines. These are from Drudge. Uh, Let's see. Can Obama win popular vote but lose election? Obama, Nevada campaign director, dies of heart attack. Here's another one. U.S. electoral system warned it can't cope as historic number of voters cast their ballots. How about this one? The American presidential election could descend into electoral chaos Tuesday. Oh, my God. Best election ever. All right. Uh, we're going to try to do another uh, exit poll here for the top of the hour. Uh, if I have time, we are going to um, do an installment of uh, the greatest songs ever made. It's just a, uh, just a little bit of sorbet to take all the stress off our uh, palates. I'm going to read this one email, then Tim will have some news for us. This is Rick. I thought when you started doing the exit poll segment a while back, it would be stupid because it would just be a rush of Obama voters, not just because of Portland, but because of the assumed demographics of your show. I have been really surprised at the split of callers. I wonder if the whole Obama's got it in the bag feeling of this election is the same as the Kerry's got it in the bag mm. feeling of the last election. I'm glad Sarah's not a cutter. Well, not yet, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. And now, no. No, 
from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. DNA test confirmed the bones found near the crash site of Steve Fawcett's plane are those of the foolish adventurer. They just released the results of the test. Once again, Steve Fawcett is dead. Those are his bones. Fox News admits that Obama is ahead 50 to 43%. So that is kind of interesting. Well, John McCain, uh, well, he, he's a little baffled. Apparently, he got Joe the Plumber confused with Joe Biden. So what happens when you mix Joe Biden with Joe the Plumber? Well, let's listen and find out, shall we? What do you make of Biden saying erratic? <laughs> Joe the Biden, I say thank you, Joe. Joe the Biden. <laughs> Joe the Biden. That's pretty great, actually. All right. Is that what like... What do you make um, of Biden saying erratic? <laughs> Joe the Biden, I say thank you, Joe. Joe the Biden. <laughs> Is it like Samwise the Stouthearted? I mean, or even Larry King caught that. Robert the Bruce. All right. Uh, this email says, Rick, it's crazy out there today. A man just called me a feminist at the post office. I ran to the post office to mail a package, and a man there opened the door for me. This is from a woman, of course. I was heading the other way, so I politely said, no, thank you. I'm heading the other way, the opposite direction, and smiled. He said, quote, oh, I understand. You just have to go with your feminist agenda, end quote. WTF. I think the, uh, I think the W there is that it is, in fact, crazy. How about this one? Rick, if Obama loses, a lot of hot chicks are going to need comforting. Your show should be a clearinghouse for connecting understanding political nerd guys with said depressed hot chicks. By the way, the only way the election is going to be up in the air by midnight will be if McCain is going to win. The anticipation is terrible. I hope it lasts, he says in all caps. You missed the best judge headline, though. And it's been up all day. Bush loyalists say good man has gotten a bad rap. You know, did you read the New York Times on Sunday? I did. Did you read that article and that selection of essays on the editorial page about people who said they were going to miss George Bush? I haven't finished that part yet. It's actually an interesting read. It really is. It's it, in my bag. It is from people who worked with or you know are, are near George W. Bush, mm -hmm. and they're really not talking about his politics or his policies. It is interesting, actually. It's five, I think, short essays from people who said who described things they will miss about him as a person, and they all say that regardless of what you say about his policies, that they in person found him to be a good a good guy. And I have to say, actually, as we get ready to bid farewell to George W. Bush, mm -hmm. I will say, in all fairness, I've never gotten the sense that George W. Bush is a bad guy. I never have. I've, I've, I've always felt like he would, George W. Bush is probably a decent person. That being said, he does seem to be unbelievably pig-headed and dumb. Uh, George W. Bush... But that's America. No, that's what I'm saying. I, George W. Bush, let's never confuse him with a smart man. I do believe that George W. Bush is deeply stupid. You don't have to be a smart man to be elected public office no. here. This isn't Britain. I think he is deeply stupid and probably easily swayed by some folks and then unbelievably intractable and stubborn, even when proven to be wrong. That being said, I don't get the feeling that George W. Bush is a bad guy. I think he probably is a good person. Unlike, let's say, Richard Nixon, who is clearly an unbelievably evil man, like from his very bones. So, uh, here's Tim Riley. Man, let's do something else. Well, let me read this email, then we'll do uh, Greatest Songs Ever. That sounds wonderful. This email is from somebody who wishes to not be named, and um, so I will edit this email so as not to identify this person. Hortense. <laughs> yes, Tim, it's from someone named <laughs> Hortense. This should not be funny. I am a terrible person for thinking this is funny. I'm watching a Sarah Palin interview on 2020. They are talking about her 
special needs child and how people coming to her rallies bring their special needs children to the Palin rallies with them. They're showing a clip of Sarah Palin hugging a teenage girl with special needs. The teenager is holding a handwritten sign. I'll let the rest of this email pass without comment, by the way. The teenager is holding a handwritten sign which says, quote, I have Down syndrome and I'm voting for Palin, end quote. Rick, this person is, in effect, holding a sign that says, I am retarded and voting for Palin, end quote. And then the email just says, not funny, no, 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 not how is everyone that really made my day i'm just reading the email you know tim i we were just a conduit people give us observations i pass them along uh, we to be a barrier between the people that's and what i'm people. saying let's see do these calls and we'll do a uh, greatest song ever do we not have time to do the calls do we have uh, you yeah keep them short okay hi you're on the rick emerson show hello hello that was good i can hear you I can see into your soul. Sometimes when you're in sleep, I come into your room and lick the side of your face. Okay, let's just play this song. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Okay, that was kind of disturbing. Yeah, you know, like, they weren't there. Me? Not speaking, yet not hanging up. So, And it wasn't you, sir. That's good. Uh, hey, first off, this is Ethan, and thank you for saying hi to my daughter, Mara, on Friday. I gave her a shout-out, yes, sir. She thought that was awesome. Yeah. She told all her friends and her cousins about it. Hey, um, now she wants to know if she is able to go to the party tomorrow. Uh, I, I don't believe it's 21 and over, 18 and over. I, I don't believe that at all um, because it is, a lot of it's with the it's Oregon Bus Project out. and they're, you know, the, yeah, they're not, the, you know, they're not 21. I think they're going to be serving alcohol at the bar, but I don't believe that it is a uh, an 18 or 21 and over uh, event, no, sir. Is there any way you could find out for sure? Because she really does want to go and meet you guys. Uh, we'll look into it today and then we'll announce it tomorrow. Very good, thanks. All right, thank you. All right. Bye. All right, well, at this point, we probably have to put up the greatest song ever. Uh, we're probably not have a chance to do it today. It's okay. uh, We'll just do it, and we're probably not going to do it tomorrow. So we'll do it Wednesday, which is good. On Wednesday, one way or the other, we're going to need a little bit of a cleansing. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back after this. Uh, we'll try to do another exit poll around the corner. Don't forget, like us at 3, Michael Mara Show uh, at 7. Speaking of 7, tomorrow night, the Rick Emerson Show's political party happens at Grand Central Bowl. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting. Did we just started? Actually, it really very much does. And we've had like multiple guests and tons of CNN correspondents and stuff. How did that even happen? We had one, two, three, four, five CNN guests today. Dick, Lisa, Steve, Jim, Ali Velshi. We had five and CNN guests. Studio guests. And Carl Click. Jesus. Uh, hey, by the way, FYI, uh, so tomorrow, yeah, all ages. We found that out definitively. I thought that was the case, but now we know for certain. Tomorrow's event, uh, the political party is uh, all ages. Yay. Bring the youth. Oh, so it's looking like about a good five minutes. Here? Yeah. All right, we'll do another exit poll here in a second. Uh, we won't be doing the uh, greatest song ever today or tomorrow, uh, one of the greatest songs ever. We'll be doing... Um, uh, we're doing that probably on Wednesday. Because on Wednesday we're going to do the recapping, but I think we're going to need a little something just to clear out the... Uh, the political detritus in our brains. Um, I have before we do the exit poll, I got one email and then one uh, little note to myself here. I won't say who said this, 
and I won't say who they were speaking about, but a person with whom we work said this about someone that, Sarah, you and I both know. Okay. So someone here said this about someone we know. Quote, I can't look at that guy without picturing him being bound and whipped. End quote. There you go. Hmm. Uh, let's see here. And uh, on that note, it is uh, 503-733-2970. We'll do another uh, exit poll here. It's 503-733-2970. This will be our final pre-election day exit poll. Now, you can argue that... Oh, it God, our next one will be election day. I'm just saying, you can argue that it doesn't really matter one way or the other, because we've been voting here for, like, two weeks and, you know, whatever. So tomorrow is just going to be another another day, you know, after which we've already voted, um, or before which we've already voted tomorrow. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. But this, uh, but this is going to be the final one before we start getting results, the exit polls, whatever, from the rest of the country. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, in the meantime, let me just uh, read this. Rick... While visiting Rose's in the Couve this morning, I decided to order soup and sandwich. When the waitress asked me what my kind of bread, uh, what kind of bread would I like, I nearly busted a gut. After a pause, I looked up at her and I said, "What are my choices for bread?" This is what she replied, Rick: white wheat sourdough, light and dark rye. It was in the same sing-song manner. <laughs> I looked at my husband and replied, "Sourdough," as he kicked me under the table. It was all I could do to keep from laughing hysterically. Actually, I wanted to stand up and give the choices with her, but I thought she wouldn't understand. I'm sure she thought we were either high or drunk or both. Made for an excellent birthday brunch for my husband, Lisa. All right. There you go. 503-733-2970. All right. One more day. It's like a, it's like we're running a marathon. Do you have, like, some back pains today? I'm totally having back pains, like... Both of my shoulders. I think we're internalizing a lot of stress. Mm -hmm. By the way, uh, we do have this one email. This person says, uh, Rick, you think you're stressed out? I'm working at a polling site tomorrow. Enough said. Oh, yeah. Have fun with that. All right. uh, Where's my my, uh, debate noise? What the hell am I? All right. Here we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen. We now commence the final pre election day exit poll here on the Rick Emerson radio program if you have voted for president uh rather in uh, you know whether in Oregon whether in Clark County wherever uh we want to know uh, who got your vote it's 503-733-2970 don't forget tomorrow Sarah Dillon and I will be bringing our ballots into the studio and you will tell us how to vote uh hello hi Rick Emerson show for whom did you vote Bob Barr. all right hi you're on the Rick Emerson show for whom did you vote I'm in Washington. I voted for the drama of Obama rather than the stain, strain, and pain of McCain. Thank you, sir. Uh, that's the Danny that's a lot of Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. For whom did you vote? Uh, yes, Rick Emerson. I am so proud to announce from the great state of Washington that I have voted for Mr. Obama. And I would like to say to you, God bless you and God bless America. Thank you, sir. All right, Rick Emerson exit poll. Crazy. It's 503-733-2970. For whom did you vote? John McCain. John McCain. Got it. Thank you. It's 503-733-2970. Rick Emerson exit poll. For whom did you vote? John McCain. John McCain. Got it. It's 503-733-2970. By the way, the best part is seeing Sarah slowly start to hit her head against the counter. Uh, (laughs) Hi, Rick Emerson show. For whom did you vote? Barack Obama. Got it. It's 503-733-2970. Rick Emerson show. For whom did you vote? Shane Palin. Excellent. Got it. Thank you. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Rick Emerson Show exit poll. All right. Thanks. Hi. Uh, Rick Emerson Show exit poll. For whom did you vote? It's you. Barack Obama. Got it. Barack Obama. 
Uh-huh. 503-733-2970. Rick Emerson Show exit poll. For whom did you vote? McCain. Got it. All right, Sarah, how long do we have here? A few minutes. A few seconds. Two more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. For whom did you vote? Obama. Got it. All right, final vote for today. Our next exit poll will be taking place on Election Day. Rick Emerson Show. For whom did you vote? Okay. Well, we're going to call it there, I guess. Uh, our tally, five, Obama, four, McCain, one, Bob Barr. All right, there you go. Uh... All right, uh, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM970, the talk of the newsroom, Tim Riley, the phones, Richard Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave Zim, Webb, Mr. Spurgeon, upstairs, director, uh, uh, Susan, yeah, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan, don't act with me, Reynolds. We want to thank Steve Kasimam, Dick Iliano, Lisa Desjardins, Jim Roop, Ali Velshi, and Carl Click from K2. Join us tomorrow for Election Day and the Rick Emerson Show political party. Like us next, Michael Mara Show at 7. Thanks for listening. Be safe. We'll see you all tomorrow. Bye now. So don't be hoodwinked, don't be bamboozled.